What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. I'm really looking forward to today's show. We had some uh, pretty big stories this week, so I'm excited to get to them. Um, we'll be talking about a new Batman spinoff show that will be in development and be worked, worked on by Matt Reeves, who, of course, is the director of the Batman and uh, also Board War Empire uh, creator Terrence Winters. We'll also be working on this. This will be a spinoff series that will... Uh, that will be kind of centered around the Gotham City Police, and it will be linked to the Batman movie that uh, Matt Reeves is, of course, working on that we're expecting to see next uh, October. So we'll give you guys our thoughts on that story. We also have a new Batwoman that's been cast, Javicia uh, Leslie from CBS's God Friended Me, is now going to be playing Batwoman. Of course, she will not be playing Kate Kane. She will be playing a new original character, Ryan Wilder. So I'll give you guys our thoughts on that. John Carlo Esposito also now uh, apparently appears to be close to maybe finally appearing in the Marvel Universe. We'll give you guys his comments. And we'll, yeah, we have a good stuff with regarding the um, the episodes we got this week. We doing, Of course, we do our episodes recaps at the end of the show. Doom Patrol is on the docket today as well as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm excited to, to, to do this podcast. Joining me. Are my co-hosts starting with Shamari Stewart? Now, Shan, one of the stories I saw circulating that I thought was fascinating was also uh, obviously Janelle Monet, the actress, singer, performer, just overall talented, uh, talented, talented soul. Um, she apparently made comments recently. You know, people asking what's going to be next for her, and she said that one of the roles she would want to play is Storm in the Marvel Universe. Now, we don't have, obviously, an Aurora Monroe yet in the Marvel Universe because of the Fox-Disney uh, situation we had previously. Now, of course, Disney owns all those Fox uh, properties, meaning now the X-Men and characters like Storm will now be part of the MCU. What do you think of Janelle Monet being a possible fit for Storm? Um... I mean, honestly, I love it. I think it's a, I think it, it is a fantastic casting. Um, you know, it's almost like a dream casting. You know, it's almost, wow. it's almost like a, wow, it's almost like a Krasinski. Uh, okay, maybe it's not quite Krasinski, <laughs> but it is almost like a dream casting. You know, what I mean, and I think what makes it more of a dream casting is that she wants to play the characters so much. Um, you know, so I think that's something, always big. Yeah, that's always huge. I don't want them to just cast someone that's just trying to get a check. They're just trying to walk on the red carpet. <laughs> you know, like go check box. Hey, I was in Marvel. Yeah, I was in Marvel. I played Storm. Like, no, I want someone that actually cares about the character and actually wants to do this character justice. Um, you know, I think Storm, I think Storm is very underrated in terms of how popular she is as a character. Um so yeah, I mean I think it's a fantastic idea. I I mean it sounds like she hasn't been contacted yet which is a bit of a surprise uh to me i mean i know covid you know of course covid is is pushing everything back but it is i mean it's a bit of a surprise that she hasn't no one's reached out to her yet you know so uh, i don't know i mean i but it is is definitely a dream casting so i'm i i think it's a fantastic idea yeah i was actually surprised Shan, when she said that um it's always been her dream to play storm i mean that's that's awesome stuff and when we talk about huge character, man. Storm yeah, no, yeah, and and it's, it's a, it is a huge character. I mean, she's a pioneer, I would argue, in in comic books yeah. and superheroes. So, 
Um, but what's what's interesting to me is that you said like how many of these actors do we hear, and a lot of a lot of them, especially female actors, who get roles, and they you know their process to learning about these characters, them having to do back research and you know have to kind of learn about the people they were playing. They haven't really been into comic books, which is understandable. I mean, comic books, superheroes. This was this is a male dominated industry that's been that's always been created through the male lens so it's not surprising that while of course there are millions of you know female comic book fans uh for a certain generation there certainly weren't as many so how rare is it probably for marvel to have someone like janelle who said no since i was a little girl i've always wanted to play storm like that to me is interesting now the one that i have seen sham is that i've seen a lot of people i didn't know this was a thing on the internet but apparently a lot of people have already always been wanting janelle to play dazzler which also would be a, probably a really good casting, too. Obviously, Dazzler's not nearly as big a character as Storm, so I don't think Janelle would want to play Dazzler over Storm. But when you consider uh, Janelle's performing, uh, musical performances and, and her ability to sing and, and the stage presence she has, I could see that also being a good casting as well. Though, obviously, yeah, you know, if you had a choice, Storm would be the one you'd want to do. And I'm sure yeah. from her lane, she doesn't want to be cast as the musical mutant you know what i'm saying like she she's a great actress so she wants to just yeah. act you know what i'm saying but but just in terms of fit i also see the dazzler thing as well being something that would be cool yeah no yeah dazzler is certainly an interesting uh character um that you can do a lot of interesting things with you know you, obviously a dark phoenix had her in kind of an easter egg more more or less but um she's someone that could play she's someone that could be a character in an x-men movie you know, especially if you have a younger cast, even if you have an older cast, but, um, and obviously you could cast a plethora of great female, you know, artists out there to play Dazzler. Um, so yeah, that's an, that's certainly an interesting one. And then, you know, I think the, the biggest name, I think we all would agree that this may not be the best fit, but the biggest name, if they're just going box office, the biggest name for Stone would be Beyonce. No, we're not you know, doing that she already has the, <laughs> oh, we're not we're not doing that here the oh. disney you know the disney connect with black panther you know with black panther and you know obviously being the the next one of the next big disney movies she's already in lion king and she's got a new deal with disney ej don't stick the beehive on us so, yeah i know look, EJ, look I, I i live with a member of the beehive let me make that clear <laughs> i'm just saying beyonce generational talent but not when it comes to acting. Just keep it above. That's yeah. not her forte. This is a major, major role. The last time they cast this role, an argument can be made that they they went for just a big star. I'm not saying Halle Berry is not an unbelievable talent as an actress, because she is. But a, they went for a, a big name that didn't fit. Please, Marvel, don't do that again. I've seen the rumors of Beyonce and Storm considering Beyonce has a deal with Disney and she's expected to have some kind of role in the Black Panther rollout when that comes out. She can do whatever she wants as long as she's not playing Aurora Monroe. Please, to God, do not let that happen. I, yeah, I would also just have question marks about the future. Like, how, if she really committed to playing Storm, it goes back to what Shamari is saying. She really committed to playing Storm beyond Black Panther 2. You know, this is a one movie deal. If you're playing Storm, I'd like you to be in, you know, X Men movies as well. So I mean not saying that Beyonce wouldn't 
you know, create the time. Beyonce is getting you know, recast. Mid, Beyonce is getting recast midway through the the second X Men movie. By the time we get to, if she's cast as Storm, she's 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 a half billion. She's part of a billion dollar empire. Like she doesn't got to do this. Yeah, and she won't. She won't be committed to a film playing one character no. in, a, in a film yeah. franchise for ten really, years. It's not happening. I, you know, I wouldn't make the case that it would be the the best idea from a. Uh, a a movie making standpoint, but from a fiscal, it's purely thinking about the a Warner Brothers point of view. You know, just thinking about the bottom line. <laughs> no disrespect to Warner Brothers. <laughs> Beyonce in a Black Panther two is it's gonna I mean that's breaking a lot that's making a lot of money. You know, now I don't know if like you kinda feel like Yeah, but like, that's when doing it for the that's when doing it for the check does goes wrong. Anyway, I don't Beyonce adding that many more people, you know, but it's still Still going to be a lot more. So yeah, no, I, definitely, I, definitely pass, definitely pass. No Beyonce. Yes to Jenna Monet. I think that she would also be a great casting. No, 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 no to Beyonce. Though again, any other aspect she wants to be involved with the Black Panther role again, one hundred percent for. Unbelievable musical talent, inspiration for just not just women, just people all over the world. Do not cast her as this very important character to for the future EJ, of the Marvel just, Studios universe. EJ, if you're the director, would you give Beyonce a read? No. Beyonce is not getting uh-huh. a read. Beyonce <laughs> is not an actress. And I think that she would even admit that. She's not that kind of actress. I, I, I mean, I'm only, speaking, I'm only speaking about acting ability. It's not about anything else. She's, again. I didn't see Lion King, but, you know, I mean. I saw Lion King. She was Beyonce. She was Nala, but she was Beyonce. <laughs> so, whatever that means. Like, I mean, Beyonce is awesome, but it's not. Was she playing a role? Was it believable? She was. It, no, she was Beyonce. So, I'm just saying. Again, great talent. I don't want her playing a role. My role. Speaking of X Men, though, before we get to the rest of the show, and Kendall, obviously, Kendall joins us as well. I got. I gotta say, Kendall, I I, I saw something this weekend that I was dumbfounded by, and. Um, we don't normally talk often about other platforms, so you know, you know, we shot them out and stuff. But we're not we're not here to like you know promote them for for no reason. And I know a lot of these you know top lists deal with you know they're 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 essentially essentially promotional tools. A lot of it is for them to uh, you know put out a list, have it be controversial. And then let that kind of circulate, and then you know that leads to more clicks, that leads to more attention. So we get that, and no outlet is immune from it, really, since I've seen. So I'm not picking on this particular outlet, but it was Collider this week, and I'm chilling this weekend. Actually, I'm working this weekend, but I'm going through my Twitter feed, and I see you know uh, a list of every X Men movie ranked from best to worst, and. You guys know how much I love the X Men, and I was curious. I, it's rare these bait these these top lists really get me anymore in terms of like watching. Cause I know a lot of it's clickbait, but this one fascinated me because I was like, "Wow, I don't think I've ever." I don't know. I can't r- remember a very comprehensive list done by a major outlet of the X Men movies. So I was I was actually curious, especially when I found out that they were including Deadpool movies. And I'm gonna read you guys this list, and. I want you guys to tell me. I'm well, Kendall is telling me what you think. So, number twelve was X Men Origins Wolverine. Of course, that's the worst movie. Trash. Everybody agrees. Fine. Number eleven, X Men Apocalypse. 
bad uh, movie. Already out of either cap, but that's that, that's a bad movie. I, I don't know if it's that bad, but it's not but, worse than X Men Last Stand. I agree with you. I thought that I was, think X Men Last Stand is the worst. But. I thought that was kind of low, and I could I could see you on X Men Last Stand, but man, that movie Origins was awful. But anyway, okay, that's eleven. Ten Dark Phoenix. You know, we're not gonna have that we're gonna rehash that discussion. No, y'all y'all actually like that movie, but that movie's garbage. Nine, X Men Last Stand, okay, we all know that's trash. So this then this is where things got weird for me. So at number eight, Deadpool two. So I was like, huh. Deadpool two, I know there's a lot of good X Men movies, but Deadpool two is pretty good. I would think it would be yeah, at least, not a bad movie. I would thought at least it would have been one or two more spots up. So I knew something was weird. Then that feels weird. Yeah. Then then I knew it was weird. I was confirmed it was weird when I saw number seven was X Men. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, the original is number seven? That don't sound right at all. Yeah, that's arguably a top ten movie of all time. Got right. Me. So so I'm like, all right, now my, my, my antennas are really raised here. Then they had Deadpool at six, which is, to me, ridiculous. Deadpool is, is, is not, I could see it not being everyone's cup of tea. I don't know in a objective list that it should be six. Number five, X-Men Days of Future Past. Okay, now I'm like, okay, whoa, what's going on here? Something is very wrong here. There are movies that I have not heard yet that are they, did they forget a certain movie that I haven't heard? Or is something wrong? Am I missing something? And sure enough, according to Collider, the fourth greatest X-Men movie of all time is The Wolverine. Shocker. I don't even know, I don't even know if I should continue the rest of the list, but when I saw the Wolverine at the four, at fourteen, Kendall, I really didn't know. It's rare that like certain click again clickbaity lists get like shock me. This was genuinely, truly shocking to me that yeah, I, someone could list the Wolverine ahead of Days of Future Past, Deadpool, X Men, and Deadpool Two. That's astonishing. Yeah. And I actually don't dislike The Wolverine. I like The Wolverine. I think it's a very underrated movie. As Kendall said earlier, it's unbelievable cap to tell me that that's the fourth best X-Men movie. Yeah, and, and if I could just interject as well, um, I haven't seen The Wolverine in a minute. so I'm not Neither, have, neither have I. That's fair to yeah, be fair. They show it on TV I, all the time. I know they show it on TV a lot. And, um, I, and I never watch it. That's, that, that tells me something. Which, yeah, yeah, it says a lot, you know. But <laughs> it says a lot to me that it comes on all the time, and I never think, "Let me give this a watch." But I remember when I saw it, I was like, I mean, yeah, there were things I didn't like about it, but yeah. it wasn't a terrible movie. Yeah, but they had nothing memorable. I I think this is revisionist history based off of how good Logan was. James Magel worked on Logan, and he worked on uh, the Wolverine. I think Logan was so great, and James Magel's been on such a hot run. And it's now becoming one of the hottest names in Hollywood in terms of directors. I'm not saying Collider is trying to, you know, do him any favors by making his movie seem better than it actually was. Although, obviously, uh, you know, that, that stuff that does happen sometimes. But at the, the most the most credit I'll give them is they, it, it could have been subconscious. Where, you know, James Magel did a... You kind of look back on it and you're like, hey, look, I mean, he did a great job in Logan. I mean, he actually did some good stuff in The Wolverine. This actually was a really good movie. James Magel, no way he did a bad movie or a decent movie. He's a great director. Look, man, sometimes it happens. Sometimes great directors make average movies. You know, it, it happens. Sometimes great right. coaches have, you know, average teams in sports. You know, they have average seasons. You're not always going to win a Super Bowl. Look, man, Larry Brown coached the Knicks. Yes. You know, Lou Holtz coached the Jets. Yeah, like man. you know, not, we ain't we ain't we ain't going sixteen and zero every season. <laughs> so so it's 
like again, all uh, the, the the one to me is Deadpool. That's the one where I'm like, that's just objectively a better movie. I mean, a lot of them, honestly. Yeah. Days of Future Past is also, I would say, yeah, an objectively exactly. better yeah, movie. But yeah. to me, Deadpool is again that's that one where you probably look at most top ten comic book movie of all time list. Deadpool's probably on them. You know, at least thirty percent of them Deadpool's on. And that's probably that might be a low number. So to me, not having Deadpool even in the top five is crazy. But having the Wolverine as a better movie than Deadpool, I don't know. The only one that I'm giving them is Deadpool two. Where I'm like, all right, the Wolverine and Deadpool two, I think it's a watch. I mean, I haven't seen it in a while. Maybe if I saw it again, you right. can convince me. Right. Um, even that, I don't. I don't even think that's. I mean, Deadpool two is surprisingly. Seen, Deadpool two is surprisingly forgettable. I mean, I, I remember. I remember enjoying it, but I don't. I don't. It's a fun movie. But, but nothing about it really sticks. I don't think anybody really goes back to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, nothing like, about it sticks to me Deadpool. years later. Like the, the Juggernaut stuff was great. It was cool. C- Cable being the movie was great, but it still it, to me it just falls short of the first one. So because of that, I'm never like if I'm ever saying to myself, oh, I want to see Deadpool," you know, I'm never gonna go to the second one over the first one unless I just saw the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why it kind of gets forgotten. But I mean, it, it's that's another one where I would say probably a better movie than The Wolverine. You know, I mean. I will say that it is kind of. I think there is a big jump between like the bad movies and the good ones. I agree. I, I do. I do agree and the with that. Is kind, of, kind of in the middle. Yes. Yeah. You know, and, but moving it up to four is kind of weird. If Wolverine, if Wolverine was at eight, I'd be like, this is probably a big jump between this and Last Stand. Now, I think they're overrating the heck out of Last Stand. That movie was awful. <laughs> so for them to <laughs> where did that, they have Last Stand? Last Stand was at nine. Last Stand is is. Is, that movie is awful. Is, is <laughs> yeah, Dark Phoenix. <laughs> the Dark Phoenix improves <laughs> on the same story. But regardless, like, so it just it, when you look at that and you're like, man, Last Stand's at nine and what Deadpool two is at eight. That's a massive jump. That's just a huge jump. And then what X Men at seven? X Men and, and the Last Stand are that close? Oh man, yeah, it's a bad list. The only way to look at it. it's a bad list. Uh, it's only one person's opinion. I imagine it, was just, it wasn't a collective right. voting I mean, thing. I imagine there wasn't a, a roundtable. Yeah, it wasn't a roundtable discussion. discussion. This was yeah. Adam Adam Chitwood. Uh, shout out to Adam. You must I, love really love the movie. I've read his. I've actually read a lot of his writings and stuff before, so I, I know he's not a bad guy or a dumb guy. But man, we disagree on X Men movies. This was highly disappointing. Like I was really excited about this list because this is to me this is, again was a fascinating look back because I don't know if people have done really these rankings on a major scale. I've seen people on Twitter just put their list, but like I haven't seen like an outlet really put out a list, a definitive list. So I was like, oh, okay, Collider, you know, pretty big outlet, you know, putting out their list of X-Men movies. I was curious. I saw, again, when I saw uh, Deadpool 2 at 8, I was really alarmed. <laughs> and then when I saw X-Men at 7, I was like, okay, no, nah, something's very wrong. Um, and it became the Wolverine being at uh, four was the one that I realized threw all the numbers off. Was Logan number one? No, number one yeah. was First Class. See, that's surprising to me because again, I see a lot of pro Wolverine. We put in First Class, so I mean, I guess X Men Origins was at both at the bottom, but like you put First Class, I mean not First Class. Um, you put Last Stand as high as it is. 
you know, and you put the Wolverine inside this, I'm thinking, oh, maybe he just really loves Wolverine. I could, like, to me, I think to me, yeah, Wolf, Logan, <laughs> Logan is the best executed movie, X-Men, X-Men movie by Fox. I could see someone, though I don't know if this is his argument, saying that it's not, it, you're not making it number one because it's not an X-Men movie. It's centered around one character, though there are X-Men characters in the movie. Right, it's not like I could see someone saying I like First Class more because it's more of an X Men movie. I don't know if that's what his argument was. I stopped reading after I got to the like. Movie. I felt better coming out of the theater in terms of like, you know, just if you're going to see a movie, First Class over Logan. Logan's a much better movie, I think personally. But you know, it's not a popcorn movie. You know, necessarily, it's good, it's very good. But it's Logan something is where sad I, as hell. Yeah, it's just a sad movie. You know, you're not eating your popcorn like, oh, wow, this is so fun. You know, First Class is a fun movie. You know, with, you know, a lot of great actors and a lot of comedy, but it's also uh, a lot of great action. But, you know, so I could see how somebody ranks that ahead of Logan. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Just really, so what was number two then? What am I missing? Number two was Logan. Number three was, was number three, Logan. X2. X2, right, right. Well, X two, X two. I don't respect anyone that doesn't have X two in your top three. So I, I, I was fine with that. <laughs> X two is fire. Every time I watch it, it's fire. Like yeah. it never, it never misses. Every time I, you know, years go by, and I'm like, I'm gonna watch it again, but man, maybe this time it's not gonna hit that hard. It's hard, yo. It totally still stands up to this day. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with. The the only character that really relies on like crazy CGI is Lady Death Deathstrike, and it doesn't. And her CGI isn't is pretty good. So everything else in the movie yeah. it just holds. It's just a good movie. It's written well. It's not like some of these movies you watch and like, oh man, this CGI looks so low budget and terrible. Like I can never watch this. Like Apocalypse. I haven't like, watched. Wolverine and X Men Origins. how that happen? How do you work? <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's crazy as that sounds. Like I like to be fair. Like I haven't watched. Um, like Spider Man one in a while, I, I, I part of me kind of fears that if I watch him, like, oh man, this movie's really it, it shows his age. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just speculating. I watched Spider Man two recently, and it's the Doc Ock stuff still looks great. Oh, yeah. that's good. That's good to know. Cause I, you know how much I love Spider Man two. I think it's the only movie that has a true stake in terms of a battle with Into the Spider Verse for the best Spider Man movie. I think that that's the one that's a yeah. I see. I could have that conversation with. Um, but Spider Man One, I'm, I'm always worried about. I'm like, uh, I don't know. There's, you know, Peter, you know, slinging around the city in 2000. I don't know how that looks. And now we're in 2020, and we've seen you know Tom Holland Spider Man, how that looks with him moving and stuff. So I'm kind of nervous. But X Two, like, it doesn't have a lot of those issues because there there aren't there isn't this emphasis aren't huge cgi sets and a lot of it is just really it's just you know it's just really good and it's, again it's a really well-written story it's really it i remember also like watching x2 and being like wow like everything they're setting up with this movie like fox like well, i didn't think of fox when i was a kid but i'm just thinking like yo like these x-men movies are gonna be great because it's setting up like the weapon x stuff and they're setting up the dark phoenix stuff and like man was i about to be disappointed <laughs> in the next three or four years like, think about that. Like, you came out of X2 and all the tea leaves they laid out. Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix saga, 
and Wolverine's, you know, pass with Weapon X, all on Front Street in X2, and all done so exceptionally well. And, yo, if you're a kid like me, at that point, X2 probably came out, what, 2003 or whatever, I'm, like, 12 years old. Like, I'm thinking, yo, man, like, everything's aligning perfect for these awesome X-Men stories not to be told. And then the next two movies you get are The Last Stand and Wolverine, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Two of the worst superhero movies of all time. That you want to know how much that hurt my soul as an X Men fan to to see the tea leaves set up so perfectly, and then to see it just thrown away. It, it, it's like it's like Maddie Johnson comes down, throws an unbelievable no look pass, and instead of you know James Worthy, you know you know throwing down a one handed jam, like he just threw it in the stands. <laughs> like, but like that's how that's how that felt. Like it's 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 like almost like insulting that that's how that went down. Because again, we had no, there was this was the beginning of this. Like there was no extended continuity for superheroes. Like this was a totally new concept. It never was even done before. You know, we had sequels, but like you know, Superman had four movies. But again, we stopped caring after two. And you know, you know. There was really wasn't this idea of these extended continuity universes that extend far beyond, uh, you know, one or two movies, except with the exception of maybe being like James Bond. So the idea that they were doing that to the X Men, and then the two biggest stories, arguably in X Men history, were totally set up perfectly in a classic movie, and then they just blew it away completely. It was just it was just sad, man. Really sad. Anyway. Um, We've been a long time on the on the open here. Uh, we gotta get to the actual topics of today's show. And again, these are good topics. So I want to make sure we give them good time here. Let's start off with um, this Batman spinoff. So HBO announced this week that the Batman director Matt Reeves and Boardwalk Empire creator Terrence Winters will be working on a Batman spinoff series centered on the Gotham City Police Department. The show would act as a direct tie-in to the Batman film uh, set to debut next fall. Jeffrey Wright is expected to reprise his role as James Gordon on the show. And from the little I've been hearing, it may end up being, and not like I'm hearing personally, but reporting. Now they're saying that it might be some kind of prequel to uh, whatever we see in the Batman. Reeves said in a statement, quote, This is an amazing opportunity not only to expand the vision of the world I'm creating in the film, but to explore it in the kind of depth and detail that only a long-form format can afford. And getting to work with the incredible, talented, incredibly talented Terrence Winters, who has written so insightfully and powerfully about worlds of crime and corruption, is an absolute dream. HBO said the show will, quote, build upon the motion picture's examination of the autonomy of corruption in Gotham City, ultimately launching a new Batman universe across multiple platforms. This series provides an unprecedented opportunity to extend the world established in the movie and further explore the myriad of complex and, uh, and compelling characters of Gotham. Sham, are you confident DC, Warner Brothers, and HBO all working together will be able to effectively execute this vision? So I'm sure you're excited about the vision, but do you think it will work? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, you wonder why the, these studios don't, don't create stuff like this. Um, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world for Warner Brothers to kind of jump on the the shared universe bandwagon when it comes to TV and movie and film with the whole uh, Star Wars and Marvel and 
and all this other stuff. I mean, it just it just makes the most sense in the world. You know, I mean, streaming is where it's at. Well, is this going to be streamed? Where is this going to be? HBO Max. HBO Max. Yeah. Streaming is where it's at. Um, uh, and there's it really isn't any better way to get people to to, to remain loyal uh, fans of your content. Um, so, yeah, this makes all the sense in the world. I can't wait for it. Um, I mean, Matt Reeves is extremely talented. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I can't wait. I think it's a wonderful idea. Yeah, I mean, this is interesting. A lot of people are very excited about this. First of all, what I will say is this uh, explains in better detail why they decided to go with Jeffrey Wright. You know, because Jeffrey Wright has, you know, has a very, uh, you know, distinguished kind of career on television as well. You know, so that having him be the lead of a show like this makes it a very, very, very good casting for uh, Commissioner James Gordon. Um, and it makes sense why he took the role, you know. Um, like, this isn't going to be a J.K. Simmons situation where he just kind of shows up, you know, in the background, doesn't really yeah. do anything, got five scenes, and that's, <laughs> that's the end of his career. Um, so it's a great, great, James, uh, uh, great, great James Gordon casting. But a lot of excitement around this. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not as excited for this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I would have been eight years ago uh it would have been six years ago but around five six years ago we got a show called gotham you know and i'm not saying that this is going to be gotham 2.0 i'm sure this will be better no disrespect to gotham but didn't set the highest bar you know mm-hmm. it's a little wacky uh it's probably have a little more realism to it and it has a shared universe you know so it'll be it'll be actually connected to the batman universe versus it's it also just being um, some massive prequel it's also pennyworth too yeah, and we have Pennyworth as well. You know, it's also made by Bruno Heller. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, the fact that Gotham was a thing, and it wasn't awful. I, I, I as much as as we clown it, I, it was watchable and it was exciting and it had a long run. It had a lot of very memorable characters. It had a lot of very memorable characters and a very long run. And I know I'm gonna feel about seeing another Jim Gordon and Harvey Bullock running around. <laughs> How much do I really care? Um, and then on top of that, you know, I'm going to be real. I haven't heard this. Some people, I think someone brought it up, but it's been a very, very a small discussion. But, you know, I honestly, I don't know if I really need to see a, to see a, a cop show right now in 2020. You know, mm. I, I, I don't know where my, my, my mm. you know, excitement is for, you know, more cop drama DCPD shows. You know, I get it's obviously it's comic books, but, you know. Obviously, it's does still a, does the fact that the GCPD because they keep leaning into the corruption angle of this show. Every article I read about it, he's leaning yeah. into corruption. Does the does that angle and the, the implication that the GCPD won't be necessarily looked at in the best light in this show help you with the notion that it's a cop show? I feel like the GCPD's never kind of glorified <laughs> so very rarely have i seen the gcpd yeah. in batman yeah uh glorified the most well, of these <laughs> jim gordon, jim gordon is yeah. yeah i mean very most even i mean anything pre-batman the gcpd looks nuts <laughs> every time Not, nothing where batman hasn't been established for years do the gcpd yeah. not look like look, crazy. i don't think this will be you know brooklyn 99 or you know cops 
you know, he'd be running around and just throwing throwing hooligans or whatever. First 48. Yeah, first 48. Like, I don't think, you know, Paw Patrol, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's just going to be, you know, propaganda, as people like to call it. But it's, it, but I don't know. You know, I mean, there, if there were other ideas on the table, I would have maybe looked at something else, you know, maybe something, maybe a Daily Planet kind of thing, or maybe following a news organization <laughs> or something along those lines, maybe make a newsroom. Ain't and, nobody and, watching the Daily Planet <laughs> show. Oh, yeah, Kendall, come on. Metropolis is boring as hell. <laughs> like, Metropolis <laughs> no, right. is not a, an important character in well, Superman. Right. I, and the way, I ba- the way Gotham Planet, City is. As an example, like a Daily Planet style show in Gotham. I see what you're saying. Like, okay. You know, like a Gotham, Gotham, the Daily Gotham, or whatever you would call it, the Gotham right. News Network, you know, whatever. Like anything besides a cop show, and maybe I'd have been like, hey, you know, this is interesting, but we just got a cop show, and right now cop shows aren't in. They're 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 obviously they're going in the other direction. It seems like we're going backwards in time. So it's a weird decision, but it's still cool that I agree. I mean, look, look it's extra, you know, content in the an extra narrative in the universe. So I'm I'm always for that. Um, but I just think that there were other things that could have been better. Look, this ends up being like Watchmen. You know, Watchmen had a lot to do with the cops, and that that wasn't bad. So, I mean, it's, it's, that's very, very true. Yeah, yeah Watchmen was a cop great. show. I'm just yeah, I would just say that out front. It is a cop show. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they could tell they could tell a story that's great and it's meaningful, but I, you know, I just have my concerns. All on the, on top of the fact that we just got gossip. How do you feel, Jay? Uh, you, you all, I tell you what, Kendall, you really, you know, both of you guys, you know, had some great points and, and you really enlightened me on some things that I didn't think about. Um, look, I think that this is a potential Grand Slam. This, to me, sounds like what Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was supposed to be for the MCU. But the beef between Perlmutter and Feige never allowed that to happen. This feels like um, I guess what Marvel is kind of trying to do now with its, um, you know, Disney Plus shows, but for some reason this seems almost a little a little more exciting. I guess that's probably because, you know, Batman being one of DC's top th- two, maybe maybe number one flagship franchises, the idea that you're extending the the, the canon of your movie to keep the story in Batman City but just explore just in that playground is exciting to me. Like I think that you know the MCU shows like they're great but a lot of it's like okay we're taking a character you saw in the Avengers and then putting them here. You know, and that's again, I'm super excited for that. But I guess to me this feels like almost like additional like if I was reading a, a comic book this almost feels like additional reading to the book this feels like something I would see in like see them do for Star Wars you know what I'm saying like the idea of expanding on m- movies that we've already that we're actually seeing um, and I think it's actually really important I think it's smart because what have we what have been my biggest issue with DC a lot of these in a lot of their situation it's been them rushing Stories and not really explaining a lot of the backstory behind any of these characters, expecting me to care or believe in any of this stuff. That was my a lot of my big issue with Justice League. Um, and to me, this you're you're introducing a, a new Batman universe that's away from the DC EU. Anything that you did with Nolan or anything you did with Zack Snyder, it's 
the idea that you're going to get every nuance and get every, you know, reference and everything you're trying to put across in a two and a half hour movie, there's going to be a lot of questions. There's only so much you could put in. Like, why wouldn't you put more into your content um, to give it greater context and perhaps even elevate it? I think this can this, if done well, could only elevate whatever movie they're going to do. And this yeah, is it's not good, honestly. As creative as that sounds, like it's only extra. Like unless it's awful. If I'm if I'm watching, like wow, this is like awful. But it's yeah. hard to believe that anything that Reeves and Winters is involved in is going to be that awful. That's what right. I'm saying. So even like, if it's decent, I'd be like, look, at least it's giving right. me more like context. Yeah, you, like the, like the bar is set at a certain standard already, just because of those guys walking in the room. So right. once okay, I know this is the standard. That at, the, at their worst, I'm gonna get this. Go cheap with it, right? At my at the at the worst, it's gonna be at a six or a seven, and that's just gravy because I'm getting a whole Batman movie, right? You know what I'm saying? So I, I I get your point. I agree that like it could only it could only go but so bad, really. Like there's it's not it's, one or the other, right? You're both. Yeah, I mean, I I think that this is great, and the fact that again, because we're not gonna know this Batman character well. We're not going to know this Gotham City well. Because as we've seen, I mean, we've literally seen it on Gotham. Uh, Zack Snyder, um, Tim Burton, um, the people who made Adam West Batman. Uh, who am I missing? Uh, Christopher Nolan, of course. Everybody has, and then uh, the hunt, the decades and decades of Batman comic books, everybody has their own interpretation of what Gotham City is and, who, and, and the story they want to tell with it. Like, not everyone, yes, there's a, a, a baseline, but... The look, the feel, how campy or non-campy, how noir or non-noir, how serious or non-serious it is. Like it depends on whoever's writing at the time. So people come in like the. I think a lot of the issue, because you know, obviously Snyder has a lot of the, he has a lot of you know defenders with how he presented Batman, and the little bit we got to see of Gotham City, like, like I think I think he in many ways kind of failed himself because because we kind of have our own ideas of what Batman are. If you do something that maybe isn't completely and utterly out of like the realm of possibility, but definitely a little bit more of an extreme take, like people are going to have a feeling about it. This helps that potential helps net negate that kind of thing from happening potentially, because you're already you're establishing a little bit of what we're suspected to see. So if this, I don't know if this movie, this show will come out before the movie or after the movie, but I think that, Whatever Gotham City, whatever Batman universe we get, I think any way to kind of make it make more sense for us is smart. So I, I'm I'm totally for this, and I have confidence that they can get this done. Again, because of the names that are attached to it, uh, I I agree. One thing I want to ask you: you mentioned you know I agree that Jeffrey Wright is a great is a great casting for a lead, obviously known with his his past history. But do you think that they cast it right with this show in mind? Because that's my that that was my biggest question when I heard this. Like, when, how long has this been in the works? I think it's been in the works since they've since this thing has been in, in like development. Wow. Like, I'm not saying like the idea of the Batman came when, yeah, it came with this show. But I think as long as Reeves has been attached and he's been kind of remember this kind of taking a while for this thing to kind of get to get the ball rolling. And once we started hearing about castings and stuff, we heard about Pattinson, and we heard about Jeffrey Wright. I think that this, I think they knew that this was the next step. And I think they probably went to Jeffrey Wright, like, 
yeah, you're not only going to be playing uh, uh, James Gordon in a movie, but you're also going to be a headline for a HBO Max or a streaming service at the time, whatever they were calling it, uh, series on this, uh, you know, connected to this to this movie. And that's that's an offer you can't pass up if you're an actor. You know, it's like, you tell me, all right, I get to be a side character in a Batman movie. I don't know if it could be good or bad. That's a little, that's that's one thing. But then you also say, all. Oh, but then you're also going to play the guy in... in some sort of connected universe on on HBO Max at this point, which is obviously a big money deal. That that's an easy decision, and Jeffrey Wright is a perfect guy to do is a perfect guy to get for that role because it was always kind. Of, I wouldn't say it was a weird casting, but it was kind of out of kind of out of left field. You know, not like somebody Jeffrey Wright that's a household name amongst moviegoers, but um, but it it makes way more sense now if you make that transition to. Uh, streaming services, so I think this has been the worst for a long time, um, which makes me also confident this is going to be good. I don't think that this is some hatchet job that they put together last minute to make some money on HBO Max. I think they've been working on this for a while, so chances are it's going to be good. I'm just not like you know losing my mind over it. You know, so I just look at it more as uh, added content, which is always good. Last question on this, Sham. One of the things that I think is fascinated about this as Kendall mentioned which is why he wasn't as excited about it was that fact that we just had Gotham and Gotham was a show that had what five seasons it was a pretty long run Gotham had on Fox a major mm-hmm. ne- a major network with you know a really good time slot like it was eight o'clock on what Monday or something like that like like pretty prime position if you know Fox was leading you know a lot of its you know original content you know as Gotham being one of the temple shows do you, do you think? Well, first of all, would you you would agree that Gotham was a success from that standpoint? Let's forget it creatively, just as a show that was on there and and has a fan base that is still loyal to this day. We got five full seasons. We got sure five, five full seasons. Yeah. Like that's a success. So if we all agree with that, how much do you believe that that success is actually driving Warner Brothers to do this? Like how many? How much do you, do you think that that's as playing a factor because you would think in some ways I would think that the show being that recent would make it less likely you do something like this because it sounds it doesn't sound similar it sounds like going with the exact same thing except not with Bruce Wayne as a child but I'm wondering if the success of it is the reason why they're doing it they're like yo man that, that worked really well last time imagine if we really leaned into it and really gave them what they wanted as we talked about in the show with like Bruce as an adult and all these characters in their full form, pretty much. Like, do you think that that had something to do with them greenlighting the show, or do you think this was just a separate idea that just came about on its own? Um, uh, no, I mean, I think it definitely, um, I think it definitely played a role um, in it. Because as you, as you guys pointed out, Gotham was a success, and I, I do think it was a success. Um, I mean, I knew I know people who weren't even you didn't even really care about comic books that like Gotham and very much enjoyed the character. I mean, those characters were, were great. They yeah. loved the characters. Um, you know, the stories were wacky, but I mean, you always watch the show. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, Gotham was definitely a success for Fox. And, um, and I do think it did play, uh, some kind of a role. Um, you know, and, and going back to what you guys were saying before as well, this isn't something that, and I don't think this show, this isn't something you just you just decide just off the hook, just 
you know, out of nowhere. Right. This is something clearly something they had been planning for a long time, or they had at least been thinking about and considering. If they would have said it's not going to be connected to the movies really at all, then I would have been like, yeah, this, they could have just killed yeah, this just, yesterday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> they, they don't have to connect to the movie. But clearly, the script is going to be aligned in some way, and if you're going to do that, um, if it's the same person, chances are there's something he's even if Breeze didn't go to HBO and Warner Brothers immediately, there's something he's probably personally had in his mind. You know, it's like George Lucas. You know, he didn't make the Clone Wars in '85 or you know in 2000, in 1999, but he he had some of those stories probably in the back of his mind yeah. when he was making Star Wars. Yep, exactly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I absolutely think, um, that, uh, Warner Brothers is aware of the, of the success of Gotham and that that is a driving force, um, for, um, uh, for this, uh, show. And I think they just see the success of Batman in general, you know, Batman games, Batman content, Batman comics. Yeah, Batman, Batman. Batman and Spider-Man are just almost like you can't mess up. Yeah. I mean, they know Batman is is one of their uh, one of, if not their their most profitable asset. <laughs> yes. At this point, so I mean, they're they're gonna use it, and this is a way that you can really, really maximize. We should get it. Well, its potential. I, we talk, we've talked about this before, but I think there is a lane where we can get a Spider-Man show that's like Gotham. It's like Gotham. Yeah. Like, uh, like 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 the Daily uh, Bugle show you were like instead of the Daily Planet but make it the Daily Bugle. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could potentially, but just a show that that is a pre a prequel to to like the Spider Man universe. I don't know if I want. I don't, watch that. I don't know. I don't know who you're sending that around. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'd want to watch that. I mean, what's yeah. what's happening? I mean, is this Norman Osborn just being mad corrupt? Yeah. <laughs> Osborn, like you know, that could they, you, they that, like, that could be actually really cool. Now that I think about it, like I just I said the words thinking that it sounded ridiculous, and then I thought about it, and I was like, that actually sounds amazing. A show centered <laughs> around Norman Osborn and his malfeasance. Oh, man, give me twenty seasons of that. I don't ever need to see Peter. Norman yeah. Osborn is such a boss. I don't think the people truly understand i know there are a lot of people who think of him only again only in his green goblin bag and yeah. he's a great villain no i don't look he's probably the greatest spider-man villain so to think of him in that bag only and as the son the, you know the father of peter's best friend is makes sense but man he he is a he's a boss and he's a bad dude like I feel like you could, like what D'Onofrio, shout out to Vince D'Onofrio, what he did with Kingpin, like someone could murder the Norman Osborn role. But pre, you know, him being Goblin, just him being Norman, like that could be, that could be dope. Like, I thought when Kendall brought it up, it sounded crazy, but now I think about it, I'm like, uh, you center around him, you keep the Daily Bugle involved. There's some, there's some, there's some characters you could, you could. You see D'Onofrio talking about uh, coming back. I know he said he was very vague. He was like, "I don't know what's gonna happen." Yeah, like, which is good. That's what you want to hear. There, there was like a there was a tweet. I, was, I guess it was like an article. It said something about how they didn't want D'Onofrio back because like they couldn't imagine him doing a better job. Or like something along those lines. Like you couldn't imagine like the character you adding anything to the character or whatever. And D'Onofrio retweeted the article and said something about. Yeah, you know, you never know. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that there's not, there aren't better stories to tell or something along those lines. It's like, look, anything can happen at the end of the day. Yeah, I definitely said, yeah, anything can happen. It's like, anything can happen. It's like, 
the the comments are kind of tame when you just read them in general because yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah people say that I mean, all the time. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. You know, like, somebody goes, you put the microphone in your head, in your face, and say, "Oh, are you gonna play our Kingpin again?" And anything can happen. But what sticks out to me is the fact that it was a random tweet that he he saw. And was like, you know what? Maybe he just got irked by the guy kind of well talking smack because he was being respectful. But the guy saying, "Look, I don't want to see any more Kingpin. He's so good." And him going out of his way to say anything can happen. It's a little odd to me. Well, it Donofrio always fascinates me because, you know, we we've seen him talk at panels before in New York Comic Con, and you know, any like it is a guy who's won an Emmy. He's been he's won an Emmy award or he's an Emmy nominee at least. Um, you know, in many ways, he's an actor's actor, but he also really loves this stuff. And like, I like the way like I imagine like once you know the Deadpool, the dead, the dead, uh, the Daredevil. Um, once the show kind of ended and that crew obviously went their own separate ways, I assume someone like him, even if he got a good opportunity, I thought he may pass if he's not gonna be the kingpin he played if he's not gonna be able to tap into that role because when you when we heard like the depth and how much he thought about wilson fisk in terms of what he was bringing to that character this wasn't just a guy just taking a check and reading some lines like he truly invested himself in that role so i say all that to say you know i would have thought okay he ain't gonna come back for no mcu pg-13 no nonsense like he's he's an actor's actor what he did to that for that role and what he did you know people um will always remember i don't think he's gonna want to taint that but i think he really truly enjoys wilson fisk i think he does feel like no one can do the role better than him i don't think he wants anyone out there taking money out of his pocket to do what he would consider to be not the best work because the guy said, he said, um, he said an unbelievable standard. Like, I saw a story circulating that big show. He's like, I'm ready to, to, I'm ready to audition for Kingpin as soon as that joint comes out. Which told me a lot, first of all. One, it told me, okay, big, people forget, big show is in Hollywood. He, he, he has a show on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, the show on Netflix. He's not just some guy who's just talking out of nowhere. Like, the, like big show is not, like, Hollywood trained. So, like, he's going to, like, let the tea spill about things that, like, he probably isn't supposed to let the tea spill. But that tells me Marvel is looking for a kingpin. Like, when he, I, heard, I heard that, I first thought, that's ridiculous. Big Show should never be kingpin. Yes, from a body standpoint, he's perfect, but come on. The guy's a rookie actor. I'm, he, I'm not casting him to be kingpin. But that did make me think, oh, so Marvel's looking for kingpin. Because he's saying in these quotes, I'm waiting for the call. I'm ready. I already told my agent. <laughs> like you don't, you get the, you only know those tea leaves and those calls are ready to be made when you're in the industry. But you're not supposed to just go out to outlets and just talk about it. So, Donofrio knows that too. So I'm sure he's trying to put it out there, say, "Yo, man, my phone is my phone bill has been paid. It's not off the hook. I'm ready if y'all call me." And this is probably his best his way of doing it. I, I really hope Marvel would listen. I, I don't want to see anyone else play the role. Like, it's rare you have an actor that's that good that I'm like, I don't ever want to see anyone else play the role. Like, you know, a lot of people, I think, felt that way about Heath Ledger. Um, and, you know, Jared Leto, for some people, maybe confirmed that. But, no, we got Joaquin Phoenix, who... You no, know, we would never say Joaquin wasn't to par 
with Heath Ledger at this point, I think. Like, Kingpin, Vincent D'Onofrio, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I need any more. I, I, no, we have Michael Clark Duncan, rest in peace. Uh, he was one Kingpin. You know, obviously D'Onofrio took it to a whole nother level. I think we're good. As long as D'Onofrio. EJ, you're agreeing with Screen Rant. They're the ones that came out with this with the take that we don't need more than Alfredo. Wait, no, no, no. I'm not saying we don't need more than Alfredo. I'm saying uh-huh. I don't want to see them cast a kingpin that's not him. Let me make that clear. Oh, okay. I thought you were making a case. We can get another one. It'll be no, no, no. I'm saying the exact opposite. Please, audience, hear me and hear me well. <laughs> no one should be playing the role of Wilson Fisk as long as Vincent D'Onofrio is alive and ready to take the bag. No oh, one. Yeah. I hear you saying. And I don't think... I don't want to hear anybody other name. I know I'm not trying to disrespect any other actors. I know that a lot of talented people. This guy clearly understood everything about the character and how it made sense and what he needed to bring to the role, and the work he put in. So that's not being touched. I don't. I don't. Whatever Marvel's gonna do, and we know. I don't know what they want to do, but. Daredevil is back within their possession in terms of the Marvel Studios people. I just feel like D'Onofrio was just so good. I really hope that they find a way to keep him around. That just that just needs to be said. Um, let's go. Let's move on now. Let's talk about another uh, big casting we had. So CW announced that Jaficia Leslie, forgive me for that pronunciation. I've been trying all day to make sure I get it right. Um, uh, as a new Batwoman, Leslie, who starred in CBS's Good God friended me and BET's family business will play an original character named Ryan Wilder. Uh, the Wilder character is described as messy, goofy, and nothing like Kate Kane, who was originally played by the now departed Ruby Rose. The character is an out lesbian who spent years dodging the GCPD while working as a drug run, uh, drug runner. Now she lives out of her own um, van and is a, a a a undisciplined but very dangerous fighter, is what they've described. Leslie is a black woman who identifies as bisexual. Kendall, I gotta say, man, I, I, you know, I've never watched anything that Leslie has been a part of. So, you know, I hate, like, you know, I, I love talking about all these stories, but I kind of hate the stories when I don't know the people very well. So, I, I had to, I had to do some film work. You know what I'm saying? I had to go on YouTube, I had to look up a bunch of Javis, uh, 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 Leslie Javisias. Forgive, forgive me for that pronunciation. I gotta get that right. Um, her 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 work because I've never seen her do anything, and I tell you what, when they said they wanted to cast someone who was really likable, really goofy, um, I I got it. Like when I, as soon as I watched her scenes in God Friended Me, I was like, oh, this is a very likable person. And then I watched a bunch of interviews she did too, and everything that I kept hearing they were trying to get across, you know, because you know Kate. In many ways, is very prickly. Doesn't come across very likable. Leslie is the one hundred percent opposite. Like it's very clear immediately as soon as you see her on screen or you see her do an interview. Very personable, very kind. For what they're trying to accomplish, this casting made a lot of sense to me for the work I did, um, little work I did, and trying to learn more about Leslie. What did you make of this casting? Yeah, um, the character. So I'm trying to think, like, so the character is, are we going for, like, is this going to be kind of like Sky, Daisy, Daisy Johnson, you know, early on in, in Age of the Shield? Is that, that kind that, of That's vibe? what I get. 
yeah, that's the vibe that we're going for because we talk about them going for more of a likable character. First, first thing that comes to mind is, like, oh, we're just gonna get like another Supergirl. But I'm like, but obviously that's not the the, the character they're describing, you know. Um, so then I think, oh, I mean, kind of saw Davy Johnson as someone similar in terms of the backstory and stuff. So, um, I mean, it could be interesting, you know. I, I like. We we talked about this before when uh when they talked about Vanessa Morgan possibly being a possibility that um you know it's not a surprise uh you know they go to uh you know an actress of color for this role um but um it it will just be interesting to see how she gels with the cast first of all how how the chemistry works um i'm just i'm just fascinated to see how they're gonna how they're gonna pull this off what the story is gonna be i've i've always been in the mindset that i would have rather them do this role do this route to begin with in terms of just moving on as opposed to recasting um so i mean i'm excited to see how this how this plays out you know i definitely feel like um i I forget the other girl's name um Ruby Rose. The, uh, no, not Ruby Rose. The, the love interest character. Sophie. Sophie. Yeah. You know, I'm sure the actress that played Sophie is probably kind of like, you know, why couldn't you just make me Batwoman? You know, obviously there are, um, you know, probably story reasons, you know, how you're going to explain such a power jump from like, you know, you're kind of a side character to now you're the main character. Like, were you always a strong? Like, <laughs> you just put the cowl on and all of a sudden you're Batwoman? Like, <laughs> Is that believable? Um, so I could see that, but you know, you, you were talking about early in the week, like Shamari said early in the week, you kid, you couldn't really, they didn't really explain it why Kate was so good and why she was so strong, nope. but um, and then why she was so weak and getting beat by <laughs> random dudes in the football fields. With yeah, <laughs> yeah, it goes it really inconsistent <laughs> with that. Um, so uh, I could see why maybe they were like, you know what, as opposed to just you know moving Sophie into the Batwoman role and maybe introducing this character as another side character, you know, that's the other way you could have gone gone with it. It said, you know, we'll we'll have someone else replace Sophie and have Sophie be Batwoman. Um I think a lot of the fans of the show probably would have appreciated that. Uh but um that this could end up being better in the long run. You know, I I don't know. You know, because I can't see into the future. You know, we look back four years from now or two years from now, if Batwoman's not on television anymore, I'd be like, well they made a mistake. But if you know they have a great dedicated fan base, then I look back and say this was a this was a great decision. So I, I, it's hard for me to say now, but uh, I'm still I'm just excited to see what happens because the show needs some some fresh new blood. Look, man, I don't want I don't like you know piling on. I don't want to pile on Ruby Rose. I want to be the guy that's just dumping on Ruby Rose. But She'll be fine. She has a lot. However, what? Look, man, you're right, man. They needed some. They needed some fresh. I we, this show needed something fresh. They needed something refreshing. I have not seen anything she's been in. I have not done my research as EJ's done his research. Um, but they needed a fresh new take. Um, and I mean, this is about. It's a new character anyway, so it could have been anybody. So this is about as fresh uh, as it can get. Um, so you know, you got a black woman, person of color. Um, in the LGBTQ community that is, um, you know, out scrappy, uh, you know, uh, seems to be uh, more of a character than Kate. That was my biggest issue with 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 
Kate Kane, at least in this series. I like I said, I have not read the Batwoman comics. She may be like that in the comics, but you know, if so, maybe it's not a tragedy that I haven't read them. <laughs> I'm just gonna be blunt, man. Cause so it's like, yeah, I'm I'm not you know exactly I'm not that disappointed by this. So, um, so you know, I'm I'm down. I I think it's a wonderful casting. The character sounds much more likable. Um, you know, it's it's better than the the uh, the uh, the um, the fake you know Bruce Wayne's. What what were they? Doing? I forgot what they were even uh, doing. The hush. Yeah, the hush. Hush was gonna be Bruce. Yeah, the hush. Yeah, hush Clayface. Yeah, the hush Clayface <laughs> stuff. So I mean, I have yeah. no idea how they're gonna. Call Baker Hush. How, like how, season one, yo, episode one, season two of Back Woman is gonna be like, must see. Like, Either a time jump or like a flashback into something where it's like you know so, that explains why she's in, yeah. in, in, in involved. In yeah, the why she's involved? Because like, this is gonna make no sense. Like I, yeah. yo, I almost feel like they should just say, "Yo, season one is not canon." Like I don't. Like how do you set up everything you set I, up I in season one? I mean, I wasted a lot of time. How are they supposed to explain out. anything that's about to happen? It, man, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure they got something up their sleeve. I, show, I, 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 I feel like it's gonna be so goofy and it's gonna be so ridiculous. It might not matter because, as you guys said, like this show needed a shot in the arm, and perhaps um, Leslie will bring that. But I, just how they're gonna get there, I'm like. So we're supposed to get introduced to Bruce. Is Bruce no longer really a factor because we don't care about him because Kate is not related that's or Bruce is not no Bruce is not related? Like, Where does the Bruce Wayne thing come into play? Is Alice now? even? A thing anymore? Like, do we care no, at you, all about Alice? Is that actress can, gone? Is that character gone? I think she still can come back as a recurring character, mm-hmm. villain. Because the Jacob Kane is still a main character. You know, he's still gonna be running the crows. That's ridiculous and, to me. How is Jacob Kane still a character in a Batwoman show that doesn't have Kate, I mean, Kate Kane? This doesn't make like, any sense. Yeah, and I'm not, I look. They were boxed into a corner. I mean, I won't say they were boxed into a corner. They could have recasted and kept Kate Kane. But, obviously, they were boxed in the corner because they were in a position where Ruby Rose, for whatever reason, was not going to be able to continue. But, I'm just saying, like, I mean, they went full tilt in terms of committing to a Kate Kane story. They didn't even get to finish season one. And they got to start season two with a new Batwoman under the cowl who's not Kate Kane. Even though every... Everything in this, everything, every aspect of the show is a connection to Kate Kane. Her sister, Luke is, is you no know, Lucius Fox's son. He used to work with Bruce Wayne. He worked, Luke worked with Bruce Wayne. It's a family show. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, you know, Sophie, ex girlfriend, um, slash love interest, Alfred's niece, you know, ex girlfriend, slash love interest. Um, who am I missing? Someone else who's obviously Alice, her sister. Like, this show, and I mean, it's not anything wrong with it. It makes sense. You want to have a show centered around a main character. But I mean, this is not the kind of show where you got like kind of people randomly setting up about the mom and Joker and Batman is like irrelevant. It's fried. Like, I don't know how you even continue. I don't know what happened with that. Is the mom still out there? You know, did Joker do anything? You know, like, what, what happened? Why didn't Batman save her? I don't care now. Who cares? You know, it has nothing to do with Kate Kane. It has nothing to do with 
Or it has nothing to do with Batwoman at this point. I mean, I mean, Jacob Kane is still, he's still like like running the city, I guess, as their security, police, whatever. What force. if they reform? What if they reform Alice? When she goes back to just being Beth. What if she's like a like a black uh, siren kind of character? And like you have like an you like what you call is kind of playing. Um, you know, Detective Lance. Jacob Kane's kind of like Detective Lance. I mean, I mean, the problem is that Kane has no connection to Wilder right now. That could they could add some sort of connection, but there's. I no mean, no matter what they do, it's gonna seem goofy. So you kind of just have to expect that. Yeah. Because um, even that sounds very goofy. I feel like they're I mean, gonna have to kill Kate Kane. That to me is the only way to make this make sense. Kate has to die, and everybody's got to learn that she was Batwoman, and then this that other Batwoman has to take the cow and. And the idea that someone else is trying to be Batwoman brings everybody back together. To me, that's the only way this makes sense. Because I, mean, I can see them saying, no, Luke and, and her sister being like, well, who's this Batwoman? We got to figure out who she is. She's going to ruin Kate's legacy. You know, no, no uh, Pops is like, yo, I'm not having someone else out here as Batwoman that my daughter got killed. Alice being like, yo, my sister died. And yes, I wanted her dead. But, yo, I don't want anybody else putting on the Batwoman. You know, Kyle, she thinks that, you know, the Batwoman... Is, is what separated her from her sister. Like to me, that's from a story standpoint. I don't. That, I don't. I really don't know how you do it any other way. Like any other way, I think is gonna look crazy. Yeah, you know, you say, oh yeah, she went abroad. Yeah, she you went, can't. She went to the there's, there's, there's nothing. You, it's got to be. That's the only way that this works. <laughs> and I don't know. I guess I, I look like, as a, when, what I saw from Leslie. She seems extremely talented. She's extremely likable, um, and she can act. So I, I'm I'm intrigued, and you know it's important to note black, uh, female queer representation. We gotta always applaud that because there's not enough of that, especially in Hollywood. So I'm never gonna you know stand against it. What I will say is, as I said in previously when we talked about this, I'm a lover of the canon. I love things being. Uh, close to canon, though, I think I'm fine with you breaking canon for certain things. But, again, the character Kate Kane means a lot to the character Batwoman. And the idea that we're just moving on and creating someone new, I mean, it doesn't make me super thrilled. But the show was kind of meandering, as we've said on this show in the past. Like, um, it, it had good moments, but it seemed like towards the end of that, this past season... It looked like it was really kind of heading towards a, a ugly place of where this was going to go. So, yeah, man. Hopefully, Leslie comes in. You know, hopefully, it, it, it get it creates some more hunger on that writing team, and Leslie comes in and 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 and, and it ends up uh, doing awesome. You know, I know we're all rooting for it. So let's see how that ends up. Um, I also want to talk quickly, guys, about another um, not casting per se, but casting news. I guess you would consider it. So, longtime Hollywood actor Giancarlo Esposito appears to have a Marvel role in his sights. During an interview with Entertainment Tonight, the former Breaking Bad star made some allusions about where he'd like to likely see him, where we'd likely see him next. Esposito said, "There's been all these rumors about being with Marvel. I want to work with those guys, and I put it out there all the time. I haven't created any of those rumors, but I worked years ago with Luis D'Esposito." who's one of the guys at Marvel, back when he was doing Cotton Club, and I was doing Cotton Club. He was the first AD. What they do is fantastic. I want to do something enduring with them. 
I think the Marvel world would be likely the next step for me. Ken, uh, I, I give you Kendall uh, SDU. Obviously, you know he's been attached to various Marvel characters. Do you believe a deal has been already been worked out for him to take a specific role? And if so, Kendall, what do you think that role is? I I do not think that there is a specific role for John Collar Esposito right now um, in terms of a deal. Um, well, uh, from from his perspective, I don't think he knows. I think have there been internal discussions at Marvel about you know certain characters where they they probably brought up John Collar Esposito as an option? Absolutely. I mean, he's he's a, he's a big time actor right now. You know, he's obviously, you know, he's been big this week because of the Far Cry 6. Well, he was good in that yeah, But, you know, it looks like a movie, um, <laughs> you know, his character being in the game. So uh, that should be exciting. But, um, but no, this is, this is, a, this is a, going to be an interesting person. You know, he's one of the people that we look at and you say, what are the roles for John Carl Esposito in, in the MCU? How do we get him in the MCU? You know, what, what what's the role? Um, people brought a Magneto as somebody that, you know, if you decided to move away from the Jewish heritage of Magneto, uh, that, you know, he could be a good fit there. You know, um, I've heard, uh, Norman Osborn as another guy for talking about, you know, changing the Norman Osborn character up, uh, you know, that being a possibility. Um, I've heard Professor X, I've heard Galactus. Mr. Sinister, there's a lot of a lot of names out there. This is anybody. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, but he's such a good actor. It's like honestly, he could play anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I wanted Cyclops, John Carlos. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Nightcrawler, but yeah, no, I think that I think, I think he could play a lot of characters. Um, out of those, I think Norman Osborn would be the most attractive option for me in terms of wanting to see John Carlos Esposito. Um, I don't necessarily think Magneto. Should, I don't think they should move off the Jewish heritage. I know some people would argue the Holocaust was so long was so long ago that you know it almost seems it's not realistic to have you know a villain be somebody from the Holocaust. I'd argue, look, this is comic books. Um, you know, there are a lot of ways. Captain America. Yeah, it's Captain America. You know, like Magneto's around in World War II. You could say do something like he did X Men Evolution, where he was using the Super Soldier Chamber. That he stole the super series. I mean, he's, he's, he can control metal, so he can easily grab that joint, and just keep it with him. Um, he could, he could, he could just be using that to de-age himself if he needed to, um, or he could just be a mutant. The, that, the Marvel that comics slow. have been finding ways to de-age Magneto for like thirty years. Yeah, it, <laughs> they could figure but, something he, out. You know, you you could you could just say his mutation he ages slowly. Like if you really, really, I don't think people would be all oh, this is so stupid. It's impossible. So I look. I think, you know, I, to me, he's somebody I wouldn't. Re, I wouldn't recast, or you know, I wouldn't, you know, change his race necessarily. If we're talking about the casting of Magneto, but, um, but if he did play Magneto, he'd do a heck of a job. I will tell you that. So, I mean, I think I think he's somebody I certainly would want to see in the MCU. I think there's there's a plethora of roles and roles that we haven't even mentioned probably that he'd be a good fit for. Oh yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, this is this is um, pretty big news. I mean, as Kendall had pointed out, obviously, um, people have been talking about John Carlos Bezito and all these dream castings for him. 
uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe for some time. Um, and, I mean, he's been involved in Disney pro- projects recently. He's on The Mandalorian. Well, yeah, he's in The Mandalorian. Um, so, I mean, he's no stranger to Disney properties. Uh, he did a fantastic job with The Mandalorian. He was wonderful. He had an amazing uh, presence on screen. Um, you know, he's going to be in the next Far Cry game, which that comes out in February. Um, I'm sure he'll have an amazing stage presence in that game. Uh, all the Far Cry villains are are iconic. I mean, at this point, so um, so that should be really, really fun to to play and 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 uh, go through. So I mean, I as for what role he could play, I honestly don't know. I, I do agree with Kendall. Whatever role he plays, I think he's gonna knock it out of the park. So it almost I wouldn't say it doesn't matter. But with, you know, someone of his talent, I mean, you just you, you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't have any dream castings, honestly. I don't really have any, oh, he has to play this person. Um, you know, I feel like wh- whoever he plays, I, I, you know, I think at this point, just get him on screen. He's, he's, put him, he's, he's put him somewhere. He's much better as a villain. Yes. He is my favorite villain. So I mean, again, you think Magneto, Doom, Osborne, those are the big three that we haven't seen. I mean, yet. those. I mean, I mean, yeah, I don't you know. know. Those are the big three. I haven't seen Kang. Someone else people have mentioned. Um, I think I, he could actually be amazing as Kang. I've not, I, I didn't think about that until you just mentioned it. He yeah. could be. He could. I, I. You guys know. I've said I'm actually not for. Kang because I feel like we infinite I feel like in Endgame exhausted the time travel stuff too much to do anything with time travel for a while. So if as you were saying it's gonna be something he's doing soon, I've I've kind of been away from time you know, Kang, but he if you're just casting anyone, I think he would be a great choice. Yeah. yeah. I mean I mean sorry, go ahead, Kendall. I mean Sharon. Yeah, no. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I mean, I'm in agreement. Um, I mean, I think he, I think he'd be a great Kang. I feel like he, again, really all these roles, I, he has the caliber to play all these people. What about a Dawn of X, Professor X, a Dawn of X inspired Professor X? No, I don't think it's too. Some people would argue I don't see that right it's, now. Yeah, but. it's too early for that for me. I mean, I don't. It's so <laughs> weird because on the one hand, it's like, I mean. We've seen everything in regards to Professor X. We've seen him young, seen him old. Like, you know, how like what is this new character going to bring to Professor X other than just being make him American? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can make him American, which he actually is. Um, but like, what is this new character going to bring other than it being connected to the MCU? Not now. Now with Tom Holland and Spider Man, he brought his youthfulness. Like he was, he looked the part of being a high schooler. I know you could say Garfield was in high school, but nobody believed that. So this, he he brought a real childhood youth for this. And the, the movie was written in a way that it, it, it felt relatable to high school kids. It was written with that lens, not the lens of necessarily just being a superhero movie. What can you do to, make, uh, to Professor X to make him more relevant other than just putting him in the MCU. And we that heard, would be that would like, be a that would be a way to do it. I think the problem though is 
the, that first ass character only makes sense because you know what his fight and struggle has been through for however many years we've been having X-Men comics. Right. Like him right. getting to that point mentally makes sense based on the stories we've read. It's hard to do that in the MCU when everything is so connected and he has no history. You're right. That's what I say. Like he has no history Most in this MCU. So how does he come right. in and just be like, yo, me and Magneto are on the same page? It's yeah, like, what if you're just bringing McAvoy and Fassbender over and you're just pretending that either pretending that all the same stuff happened or, you know, doing some sort of crossover. Right. That would make more sense if you did. Then it'd be all right, whatever. Right. That yeah, would make more sense and that would be interesting. I don't know how I would like it, but that would be interesting. <laughs> and, and to be clear, I love the Dawn of X stuff that I read those comic books. So I, I'm not dissing it in terms of saying I don't, don't want to see. I'm saying I don't know if it's time for that yet. The big thing that we know about Feige is... And shout out to Jonathan Hickman. Yes, very definitely oh, yeah. shout out John Hickman. Hopefully we get him involved in the X-Men movies, possibly. Definitely. But um, one thing we do know about Kevin Feige, the only reboot that we've seen him involved in recently is uh, Spider-Man. I mean, I guess you can count Incredible Hulk as well, but... And this one even falls under that category. But with Spider-Man, definitely one of the big things he's he's talked about with this trilogy is he wants to do things that we didn't see in the first iterations or in the original iterations of the previous iterations of Spider-Man. He wants to do villains we haven't seen. He wants to make a Peter Parker we haven't seen um, in an environment that we haven't seen. That's. And that's something that we've seen in both Spider-Man Homecoming and in Spider-Man Far From Home. You have to feel like that same thing will apply to certainly the X-Men. The Fantastic Four, yes. I can see him saying, you know, those movies are all bad. So, like, I'm just going to do the, a better version of what those movies tried to do. But uh, but with the X-Men, there's a lot of great movies. Some movies he was involved in. I could very well see him saying, I'm going to do something maybe not massively different, but strikingly different to what we've seen from the X-Men prior. Now, we've all pointed to, obviously, look, the costumes is an obvious thing that will probably change um, and will be present in these movies. But, you know, a change to the Professor X or Magneto characters would also be something that is, um, would be a a major change for the X-Men. So uh, that's something you certainly want to look out for if you're kind of, you know, making predictions on what we're going to see from the X-Men and the MCU is don't think about anything that we've seen previously because it will probably look different. My last thing on yeah. Yeah. My last thing on this is I started with the question earlier. I, I think that there is a role lined up for Esposito or at the very least there. Oh yeah. No, I think I, that I, I think there is a role lined up. I don't think he signed a contract. I don't think that it's official, but I think that him and Marvel, they've contacted each other and, they know where the interest is, and they're just trying to hammer out whether they, whatever they got to hammer out to get it done. And I think he knows that, which is why he's willing to put it out there like this. Because when you say, I think the Marvel world would be likely the next step for me, that sounds way too definitive to be like, oh, I, I don't know what a role. Uh, I don't know. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. no, he, he has a role. It's just what and it is. I don't know. But I would just, I almost guaranteeing it's something with these Fox characters because those are only big roles that are open. Right. But the other thing I would I would I would throw in there is it also could be a role in something that we 
know is coming out, but we just don't have any major castings for it yet. Like something like Blade. Like, what if he's the villain in Blade? It's very possible. And it could be. This good. is kind of like what I was talking about with Krasinski, where you got to read the room. I don't think that they're casting Esposito to be a Blade villain. I mean, that's what you would think. Yeah. Now, I'm not yeah. saying that he can't be a great Blade villain and whatever the idea they would have for him couldn't be awesome, but. You can't have everybody talking about this guy being your biggest, most important characters, and then he's a Blade villain. That cannot happen. I, the that, only difference I would say is that with Krasinski, there are so many obvious picks where it's like, makes sense, makes sense, makes sense. It particularly, obviously, Reed Richards. Versus, like, with this one, there are somewhere in theory, they may say, you know, Norman Osborn or Magneto or whatever, but there are also issues with every single one of those yeah, casting. Right. There's no obvious. Like, with Norman Osborn, they may not even want to use Norman Osborn because right. of what, we, what I just mentioned, how they don't want to use characters we've seen before. Magneto, we've already mentioned the the the, the issues. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, if Doom, like, if you're going to make Doom, like, European, you know, I, I don't know how you're going to do the whole <laughs> John Crawley <laughs> Magneto thing. Liberia. Yeah, exactly. So, there are, gonna, there, there are issues with all of those. Versus like, you know, Krasinski. Now you can we can we can have the discussion. You know, obviously it's so much easier for the white guy to just play the white characters. You know, because those are the characters that have been made. Versus Esposito, like, kind of got to make up a character, make up some villain that he's got to play. But it's it would certainly be easier for Marvel to just do that if they didn't want to make some drastic change and say, you know, yeah, let's. Let's have him play a villain in, in Guardians. Let's have him be one of the high evolutionary or whatever. You know, there's a lot of a lot of different characters. Um, Adam Warlock, I would imagine he's, he's too old. I'd imagine he'd be going for somebody younger for Adam Warlock. But well, ooh. whatever the character is, I'm thrilled. I'm really excited. I do think that it is a character that he knows that they're interested in him playing. I, I was thinking about it to myself, and I, I do think that I'm not saying he's not. On my Herschel Ali level, but I think about when Feige said, you know, sometimes a guy calls you and says, I want to do something, and you just say, okay. Esposito might be one of those guys for Feige. I think Feige would have, the work that Esposito has done in his career, I feel like a person and a producer like Feige would have great, great respect for. And I think if that guy makes a call that he's interested, I think Feige's going to find something for him. So, yeah. for me, yeah. I think the reason why. Esposito could say, I think that's likely the next step you'll see me see me taking. Because he made the call saying, I want to do this. And I think Marvel was like, alright, let's figure out how to make that work. But I think they're in the figure, figuring out how to make it work stage, but it's going to happen. Is my Mr. Sinister would also be great, by the way. But Yeah, they, yeah. That, I mean, I'm so excited for the X-Men stuff, man. Because <laughs> it's like, I yeah, know, because so like, like, like Fox, like, look, man, Fox did a decent job Overall, like we just went, you know, the top of the show was us talking about the X-Men pass. Overall, it did a really good job, pretty much, of giving us really cool X-Men stories to the big screen. As an X-Men fan, you know, it's hard to ask for too much, you know, or ask for more, rather, than what they gave us, considering what we could have expected. But just knowing what Marvel is capable of and knowing what we could see and how much still is left on the bone in regards to, like, the X-Men stories they can tell. I'm just so excited that the X-Men are back home. Like, again, I know the merger wasn't all good. I know it meant a lot of people lost jobs. I'm terribly sorry for how that happened. But just from pure fan, creative standpoint, I just don't know how you can't be just so excited that this is 
finally the place we're at where the X-Men are, are, are with the Marvel Marvel Studios uh, brand. That, that's just awesome stuff. Uh, speaking of Marvel Studios, and this is the last story before we do our episode recaps. I just want to talk briefly on this. Um, the lineup has come out for Comic-Con at Home, which is, of course, the virtual event scheduled for July 22nd to the 26th. The event is replacing the San Diego Comic-Con that we're used to seeing every year, which is pretty much the, the pinnacle of uh, of conventions, superhero conventions, pop culture conventions, period. And, um, of course, that's been canceled because of the pandemic, and they're replacing it now with this virtual event, which will include panels from the likes of The Simpsons, The Walking Dead, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and even a Zoom conversation with Josh Whedon, which I think can potentially be interesting, considering all the news he's been in. Um, but of course, uh, missing are the notable Hall H presentations we've come to expect from Marvel and uh, you know DC and Warner Brothers and even Sony. Are you guys surprised that these companies have elected to skip Comic Con despite the event going virtual? I go to you first, Sham. Um, a little, but not really. I mean, COVID's messed everything up. Mess up everybody's schedule. No one is ready to show what they thought they would be ready to show. So, nah, I'm not really that surprised. I mean, I'm surprised that they don't want to have no presence whatsoever. You know, no one has the time to do an hour panel. No cast members, no side characters. The boom mic guy doesn't have time to do an hour long panel. <laughs> you know, no one, no one, no one has time. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, associate, like, the associate producer, yeah, yeah. No, nobody's got no time. So, I mean, hey, yeah. uh, you know. They could do an Agents of Field wrap up panel. They could do an Inhumans anniversary, five year anniversary. I'm saying, panel. you know, they got I'd nothing. I watch that. Bring nothing Scott Buck it. to talk about Inhumans and Iron Fist. I mean, no one is. Watch. No one. It's all online. No one's going to be upset no matter what it is. <laughs> it's pretty common. I, whatever, they could have put anybody up there, and, I, and I'd watch it live. <laughs> I would watch it live, whatever it is that they would put on on screen. Shamari's not lying, man. We watched Star Wars Celebration. They'll have the yeah. I watch I watch it live. I watch the most ridiculous (laughs) nonsense interviews with uh, the the homie playing Chewbacca. Um, you know, and he's just making the Chewbacca noise for like twenty minutes. (laughs) Yeah, I watch it. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it's like, look, people would have watched it, but. You know, they didn't, you know, and like I said, they probably had big plans, but the plans right. probably fell through. Yeah. So, you know, I'm surprised that they're not doing anything, but I'm not that surprised that, that they're choosing to skip. What's interesting to me is that DC, because the first, my first thought was, look, Marvel, of course, like, they had, they had a plan for what they were going to show at Comic-Con, or just in the summer in general, that because of COVID, like Shamari mentioned, the whole calendar got pushed back. Like, Black Widow's not coming out till November. This is a movie that's supposed to have been out for a while at this point. They're supposed to be, they're supposed to be getting ready for in, in, Eternal. So yeah. they probably had a, a very specific way yeah. and plan of how they're going to market it. Yeah, we would have already yeah. seen you know, Super Scroll or whatever. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever they're going to show. Whatever massive post-credit scene <laughs> is going to be in Black Widow that's going to, you know, change the MCU. Yeah. Like, we would have already seen that. So building into the already hype. Leaked online. Yeah, stuff would have leaked online. So now... We're in a position where they gotta can kind of still play close to the vest, yeah. And I think they also know that they don't want to jump the gun in terms of promotion. You don't want to announce. Um, I mean, they they did it with Blade, like Blade. They announced Blade like 
10 years before that movie's ever coming yeah. out, you know? But they honestly, they don't want to jump the gun on, like, saying, yeah, we're going to have, you know, John Krasinski play Reed Richards, but, you know, that movie's not coming out for another five years because of COVID. You know, we had to push things back and three, four movies that have to come out before it. So I, I think right now they're just like, we, we kind of have to because there's stuff that we have to, we have stuff we have to release, but it has to be released a certain way, you know, especially with the Disney Plus stuff. Um, I think there's a certain timeline where I think they want to follow it. And the one thing you would think about is Eternals. Like, why can't we see anything in Eternals? But that doesn't mean we won't get something Eternals. It just won't be a Comic-Con. You know, it'll be online, an online release. Uh, I would say Jimmy Kimmel, but Jimmy Kimmel uh, has been canceled, so it won't be Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, not canceled, <laughs> but figuratively. He's on hiatus. It won't be Jimmy Kimmel if it's anytime soon. Uh, but it'll be Good Morning America. That's a safe option for them at this point. You know, they'll play they'll play an Eternal trailer on Good Morning America if they want to. But I don't know. I mean, it's unfortunate. You know, they, I, I do think there'll be something. But the question I have, though, is, if everything get got pushed back, and that's why that's the reason why I was just like, well, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make sense for us to do to show anything. DC's got having a whole event next month where they've got plenty of stuff. To I was do. gonna say, I think that's pretty much why DC's not there. It's they got they got there. They decided to do their own Comic Con. They, they have yeah. their own event. Yeah, so own event. the yeah. whole excuse of Marvel saying, well, yeah, everything got pushed back, so we got now Marvel is certainly a little more in terms of what they say when they say it very calculated and when they release trailers when they release information you know you can tell there's a pattern every year which the pattern is probably going to get blown up now because of covid but the pattern every year when a trailer is going to come out versus when a movie is going to come out but it's still odd that dc is not afraid to show you more wonder woman or show you stuff from all their different properties in the movies and television i think there's i think there's a reasoning behind that i actually posted this uh on twitter the other day because uh, Brandon Davis, shout out to him, comicbook.com. Uh, he tweeted that, you know, um, you know, after this was after the Batman uh, TV stuff, he said, you know, so much DC news has dropped in the past few months. Uh, you know, will the content live up to the hype? And I mean, it, the first part of that comment made me think. I was like, wow, yeah, we have gotten a lot of DC news in recent months about their plans and what they're doing moving forward. And it made me think, well, we've had pretty much, pretty much nothing from Marvel. Uh, whatever they said during Comic-Con last year, whatever that was, I think it was Comic-Con last year, all that stuff is pretty much held firm in terms of whatever the future is going to be for Marvel. You know, we got a little bit of a Ant-Man 3 here, but that's really it. Like, you know, we not, not much beyond that. And I, I wrote that, you know, to me, Marvel has been frozen um, because Black Widow hasn't come out yet, which is, in one sense it is kind of exciting because I think that it makes me feel like, wow, okay, Black Widow must have a lot in there that they can't afford to to even tease anything else because we got to see what happens during Black Widow. Like, that's the impression I get. Because DC, they aren't married to a continuity at the moment. So this is their time to just put out all the stuff they're working on because there is no continuity to say, okay, how is this Batman connected to whatever you're doing with Superman? Like, it doesn't matter. They're, they're not doing anything with Superman right now. They don't. They just kind of wing it. Kind of. I know they're not winging it, but for lack of a better term, they're kind of just putting stuff together. And eventually, they're gonna. They're gonna try to piece DC it together. just winging it, EJ. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm saying that they're they're, they're putting stuff out and they're gonna try to put it together, which is a little bit of what we talked about last week with Rebirth. If that is something they're trying to do, even if they don't do that, it's gonna be something like that. I think Marvel is. They're attached to a continuous story. So if the if the story is stalled, you can't 
continue to write about what else you're going to do. You can't, you know, if you don't put out season four of Game of Thrones, get T season five. <laughs> like, you just can't. Like, there's nothing you can do. You're, you're stuck. And, you know, I think why I'm not tripping about it is because it makes you think, okay, well, at least if they feel this strongly about just really kind of not saying or doing much of anything, that leads me to believe that, okay, well, Black Widow and maybe even Eternals both have, like, great ramifications for the MCU moving forward, and it's important that we see those movies before they can really say anything. And I think that's, I think that's part of what's happening. I think they feel like we can't even do an event on our own because what good does it do if the next phase of the MCU is is Secret Invasion style, you know what I'm saying? Or it's something else, some other larger story we're trying to tell. You know, we had the Infinity Saga the previous uh, you know, 10 years, whatever this next saga is, they might not want to give up because they might feel like um, that that it, it, that it would be, you know, kind of taken away from whatever we're going to see in these movies that have yet to be released yet that are already done. So that's why I'm not going too crazy about the fact that we don't see it. It is unfortunate because, you know, we lost Comic-Con this year and that was obviously a tough beat, but you hope that this virtual event would be, you know, something that could kind of fill its shoes you know, it's not going to fill the shoes now. You can't have a major Comic-Con and not have the Hall H presentations that we're used to seeing. So that's a bummer, but that that's, uh, that is that is how I, I approach this. Let's um, let's do the episode recaps now, guys. So we got um, Doom Patrol this week, and we got Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's start off with Doom Patrol. We're going to be doing Season 2, Episodes 4 and 5. These episodes were Sex Patrol and Finger Patrol. By the way, I... Do appreciate that they've continued to do that whole thing where like every episode is named Patrol. It's really goofy and weird. I don't know why they do it, but it's just funny to me. So I'm happy that they're continuing that trend. Uh, these were two really, also really great episodes. I, I love Doom Patrol. It's such a great show. As I said before, never would I have imagined when they named this show or the, not named it. Well, of course they named it, but when they announced that the show was coming out, I never would have expected it would have been this joyous. But, I mean, I can't get enough of it. I, I, I truly um, think that this is one of uh, the best superhero shows, obviously, we have on TV. And I think anybody could really enjoy watching this show. Um, the Sex Patrol episode was obviously more goofy than the pre- the next the next episode, which was the, um, Finger, the Finger Patrol. Patrol. But I liked them both. Uh, Sex Patrol, I think, you know, it was all about, obviously, them trying to get you know, Dane and the street back together after Dorothy had broke the street. And um, and the story kind of centered, ended up centering around, you know, Rita's struggle with trying to control her powers and her leading to thinking about back to previous season when, um, when they had that, you know, for lack of a better term, that massive happy feeling scene uh, late in, in, the, in the previous season. That she felt like that was the only time she felt a, a, a clear mental release. And that was the only time she felt like she could potentially control her powers. So the story centers around Flex Mentalo, who shout out to Flex Mentalo. He's one of my favorite characters, recurring characters on this show. He makes his return. He tries to help her out in that regard. And that leads to, of course, a mess that includes sex ghosts, uh, includes the sex men, which apparently are an actual um, a team in the DC universe, which I didn't know. So that was, you know, one thing I love about the show, too, is that I end up learning various different uh, characters that I didn't know were part of the DC universe. I end up learning through uh, through this show. 
So that brings them involved, and, and it kind of creates a, a, a you know a mini catastrophe of uh, of trying to stop you know the sex ghost and, and trying to stop um you know the the, uh, the dude I cannot remember his name right now who uh, who yeah, came I can't, I can't remember it yeah but essentially the sex demon guy who uh, <laughs> who was set to you know you know do complete damage to the earth that they didn't stop him it was kind of goofy and ridiculous but it was a fun episode the finger patrol episode I I enjoyed more I think that was a lot more. Like you know, moving the story forward, the Sex Patrol one kind of felt like an almost like a one-off. Finger Patrol, it was sad, man. It was it was like an episode where you know you got a lot of good times, but then you know the stuff with Larry, man. Like you feel like every time with Larry, you feel like you know it's like two steps forward and it's like a hundred steps backwards. You know, he he reunites with his family. They're going through his you know his son stuff. Of course, his son passed away. His other son is still alive, and, and it seems like they're on the road to reconciliation. And of course, at the end, homie pulls up the the the, 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 the uh, Department of Defense to try to come in and arrest him, and he has to you know unleash the negative spirit, which is able to you know fight off all of the you know the, the feds, but and eventually uh, gets Larry's grandson shot, and it looks like he's probably dead. Um, in the crossfire, as they, her and him and Rita end up, you know, being taken away by the negative spirit, and then you had uh, the 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 horribly um, the the play date from hell that happened with Dorothy and Baby Doll, where you know Niles, who I'm sorry, Niles is the worst pops ever, because this dude somehow thought that someone as immature and as combustible as Baby Doll would be a smart companion for his daughter who he's so scared is gonna unleash hell on everyone yet somehow he lets them go play with each other do whatever completely you know unsupervised yeah niles is the worst man i mean niles is awful and the story obviously the, the the episode ends with them having beef by the end and baby doll killing manny Dorothy then bringing out Candlemaker, who ends up killing uh, a baby doll. Like, what the what the hell? Like Niles, man, he can't do nothing right. Like every time you watch the show, I'm like, man, this guy gets worse and worse. He's starting to look more and more like the dude we saw in Titans. Every every episode, and here we go again with him and his foolishness. Uh, but I I enjoyed these episodes. They were they were awesome. The the steel and stone. Scene in Finger Patrol may be the funniest scene in Doom Patrol. Uh, the, the 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 spoof, the seventies buddy cop spoof that they 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 did with those yeah, two Cyborg guys. Was, was, the yeah. with the half afro. That that had me, you know. That was like that had me. I was like, oh no, this episode wins just everything. <laughs> I was laughing for like five minutes. And it's funny because when 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 Cliff said that you know we could be stealing stone, like I thought that was funny. I was like, oh man, that has to be funny. It's like a as like a you no, know, like a spoof that they did, and like it, they kind of snuck it at you because like they didn't do anything immediately afterwards, and then they come with it later, and it's like something yeah. that looks like from the seventies. You're like, what the hell is going on? And then you realize it's them doing the steel and stone spoof. And then they, they, they had the chief as like the police chief. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Yeah, man, I love these episodes. These were great episodes. What do you th- what do you think about them, champ? Yeah, I thought they were great. Um, I mean, Doom Patrol, I feel like Doom Patrol is almost like, um, 
I mean, it's almost like uh, it's like you know what you're gonna get. They don't miss. You know, they don't miss. So you know what you're gonna get. The characters, the the actors and actresses know the characters perfectly. Um, so you know you're gonna get quality performances from everybody. Um, so yeah, it was. I thought the episodes were great. I, I like that Finger Patrol episode a little more, almost solely because of that skit they did <laughs> with right. Steel and Stone. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. But um, but yeah, it was. But yeah, I mean, they were really good. Um, you know, uh, still not totally sold on on Dorothy as a character. I mean, but we'll see. You know, we'll see. Um, you know, if I, I see they're trying to kind of help her build rapport with the rest of the team. Um, which I think is good, and obviously she's got her own emotional struggles and whatnot with her other people uh, in her head. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But yeah, it's just more quality stuff from Doom Patrol. Yeah, yeah, Doom Patrol. Um, I definitely liked episode five better than episode four. Episode four was fine, but. It, did have yeah, a, I don't say filler, but it was it, like you just said, it was kind of off the beaten path yeah. a little bit. Yeah, they finally fixed Danny the street. Yeah. yeah. Um. Now Danny's a tire. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, it, it was definitely a goofier episode. Um, but episode five, I agree, was was a very good episode. Um, though my biggest takeaway, uh, or my biggest, you know, thought coming, you know, coming into this show is that. I feel like episode five, I was I was really getting to that point where I was getting tired of Dorothy. I was like, all right, you know, we've seen a lot of this character. She's very annoying. <laughs> you know, like, is the show better or worse without her? Is she a, you know, a scrappy dude, you know, on the show? <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect but... to the character. But until the end of the episode. The end of the episode when it feels like now they're really gonna you know really you know switch the character up a little stakes. bit. They're now they're finally gonna add stakes to the character, and they timed it right. I think they knew after a while, yeah, his character is gonna kind of wane on people a little bit. You know, eventually he's gonna wear on people. Um, so I think they timed it perfectly um, enough to where she has a character and she's relevant, but um, not too much to where I'm like, oh wow, she's really hurting the show because she's so involved. Um. So yeah, I thought it was, I thought I I thought overall that this these have been a, a a good couple of episodes. I mean, the, the trainer stuff, like you said, is very sad. You know, just tough. Um, but it does. You kind of look back and you're kind of like when 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 the son uh you know makes that that heel turn, you're kind of like, why did he why did he, why was he so like open to doing this? Like it's very dangerous. For him to just be like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I know, I'm like, you know. Supposed to be 120, but you know I'm just walking around in these bandages. Like what? <laughs> that's the, that's very reckless. You know I mean I get why it was kind of believable that yeah someone be like yeah yeah I know it makes sense you know not surprisingly, but this is also a very realistic response to the guy would be like yeah I'm gonna call the DOD and get you uh get you back in in custody. Um, yeah, and I think they actually set up how he would believe that because he went through like how like. You know, his son, his brother got into the conspiracy theories and then the, he realized that he got the conspiracy theories from his mom. And like, even though he seemed to be the mo- the one that was most at peace with everything that happened with Larry, it was the fact that he was at peace with it that made him kind of go over the edge. It was because he was at peace with everything that happened in his tragic life. And here comes this guy with these bandages 
and saying I'm your dad and you know even though it's been a hundred and something years that he should be he should be 120 130 however old he should be like it was that aspect of his life that made him snap and I thought that was beautifully tell told that was a really well done story um and it was just again it was just sad because you just feel like Larry is not uh he just can't find that happiness and and it's, it's yeah like, you know you hope at some point that they give him some kind of W. I thought this would be the W, because no one, had, none of the characters have been able to really, in any way, with the exception of Vic, like has been able to really connect with their past life in a positive way. You know, Rita. You know, she did finally get cast into a role in like the community theater, which I thought was very funny. It was only because you know a bunch of these people got sick, <laughs> so she's like the tenth alternate that they called, but. Like, none of them have been able to in any way, like, connect to what they used to be. And I kind of was excited that, like, maybe, you know, he would, you know, Larry would be able to do that. Obviously, he's not able to um, because of all, all that went down at the end. And I think that they eventually will give him that W. But, you know, it's been a long time before we've seen any of them really get any Ws. And I was hoping he would he would get it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... It, overall, I mean, those have been the two storylines. I mean, the cyborg stuff has is, is, is been whatever, you know. I like, I really like the, the team with, with uh, uh, what should we call it, Silas Stone, you know. Yeah, that was a great. Yeah, stuff. him, him with, uh, with Cliff, yeah, Robot Man, yeah. Um, you know, he kind of, I kind of wish we had more Silas Stone in, in the show. Uh, yeah, he, he's very, he actually does a really good job. Honestly, better than dude uh, in the Snyderverse. <laughs> no disrespect, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I mean, Adventure Silas Stone, though, and, you know, always taking the heel route. I mean, nah, I'm not doing that. It, oh, it's funny because he he's taking the heel route because what you call such a heel because uh, uh, Niles Calder is such a heel. He's such a villain. He's like, I'm not even getting myself involved in that, <laughs> even if it's to help him. <laughs> All right, I'm not touching that. I'm like wow, Silas Stone. Even even when they ask him to do something good, he's like nope. But what's funny too is that his like like his reasoning like actually did like make sense. Yeah, oh, he had a lot of sense. But it was just like damn. But we want to see Cliff, you know, again have some kind of W. It's like man, Silas, you're still the worst. I know yeah. your principles are actually right here, but still, <laughs> like you know everything he said. Like again, this was really good writing. Like how he like compartmentalized like. The difference between him and Niles, he's like, you know, I'm a scientist. Niles is, you know, uh, you know, like a like almost like a almost like a mechanic, and in a, a very like very morally questionable one at that. Like yeah, I'm not like, and me even participating in this is like co-signing it. I'm, I won't do it as a doctor. Yeah, like, you know, what I did was on Vic with surgery, surgery right? Manslaughter at death. best. Yes. That was a bar. Yeah, man. Yeah, that was a bar. Shout out to Silas Stone. That was a bar. Yeah, man, this show, man, this show's great. I mean, it's... I, I hope we get as many seasons as possible. Did y'all see, by the way, Di- Diana Guerrero, was, she took over the Twitter account uh, of the Doom Patrol um, account the other day. And they asked her, like, what would be the next character she would want to play in DC if she had to play one. And she said she wanted to play Jessica Cruz, Green, Green, uh, Green Lantern. Which... She'd be an awesome Jessica Cruz, by the way. She would be. Like, I, I don't know if they would do it. Universe, I don't know. It's kind of, they're all kind of connected. Yeah, I doubt that they would do it because of, <laughs> you know, 
because the fact that she's already in the DC universe. But when I heard them say that, I was like, oh yeah, that'd be great. But you know, Jane, you know, her role as Jane and all the other um, personalities. I mean, she again just absolutely kills it. She does an unbelievable job on that show. Yeah, we we're all digging the show. It's continues to be outstanding. We're gonna continue to keep watching. Our last uh, show we'll be talking about today will be Agents of Shield. This will be season seven, episode seven, the totally excellent adventures of Mac and the D. <laughs> this was a fun episode. Um, I didn't really know what to expect when we saw the the the, the, the preview last week, which we talked a little bit about. You know, we knew they'd be set in nineteen eighty two, eighty three. And that, you know, Mac would have a beard and they'd be some killer robots. And that was kind of it. We kind of didn't know where it would go from there. But, you know, last week we talked, I talked about how Mac and Deke have kind of been a little bit at odds all season. And they haven't quite seen eye to eye. And that this was probably going to be the episode to make them closer than they've ever been. And I think the the route they took to do that made sense. You know, I, I, again, this I really like these. Agent Shield does a good job of using these episodes where a lot of time passes and like characters grow and learn and become almost new people by the time they're over. Uh, this to me was Max version of that. Like we've had that with Fitz. We've had that. Excuse me with um with Gemma. And this, to me, was kind of a miniature version of that with Mac. Like, they didn't go completely full tilt with it, just being a Mac episode and only his struggle. Like, they still wanted to move the story along, and they wanted to put Deke along again to kind of further their relationship. But I think this also served that purpose, too, because now Mac has this whole new experience of starting a new S.H.I.E.L.D. team, of, you know, seeing, you know, what Deke did for him as a kid and helping him kind of stay on the same path that he had, despite the fact that he lost his parents. Uh, and seeing that this guy who, you know, typically is unflappable, you know, is human and, and, and can be um, put in sometimes a defeated mind state. And I think that that was uh, important to show, you know, important to show that, you know, just because Mac is the leader and he's been deemed, you know, the guy best fit to command the team doesn't mean that he can't also be affected by great tragedy but can also rise from the ashes to, to help. And the fact that we saw him do that was great. Uh, this story, you know, definitely, I, I love how this fit in the timeline, but not, I guess, in the same 80s tropey way you expected. Like, they kind of took it more to, like, 80s shows as opposed to, like, like what it was like to live in the 80s. So, like, this show had, like, this episode had an unbelievable amount of gore that I was kind of surprised by. And then, I'm surprised they wouldn't get it get it cleared by ABC um, to like air. Yeah, normally. the with robot was really gory. I mean, the robots were just like deading people in ways that were as gruesome as you could imagine. Yeah, it was all screen, but just so much blood. I was wow. Yeah, and like it was a lot of blood and a lot of yeah. It was it was a lot. I, I'm again, I'm surprised ABC allowed them to do it. But if you watch like old '80s movies and like the ones that are like rated R and like have like a lot of violence, like they look like that. They're very like over-the-top, bizarrely, weirdly gory films. And I think that they brought that aspect to this show along with the, you know, 80s-looking robots. It was fun. It was, it was, a, it was a good episode. I think it kept all the characters um, 
close to like there to how they would be like i think deke's character and and how he spent that year or how long however long it was you know in the 80s made a lot of sense yeah he's out here scamming and making people think he's something that he's not but he also you know has a heart and and, and is believed in the mission and has taken in these band of misfits to also try to you know start shield and the idea that he he brought them together only to be led by mac actually did to me show a level of growth from deke because before you know deke was all just about making money and just about uh you know being for himself and while yes he does want a lot of that him playing old you know breakfast club songs and songs from other shows and movies that haven't come out yet like yes that is him doing what he normally does the fact that he did have that larger ideal in mind to me displayed how far he's come which i thought was a a good note uh for this this was um a really good episode i liked it yeah yeah i agree i mean to me what i came out what what my my, what i came out of this episode feeling was this episode kind of reminded me like in terms of the tone because we talk about like you know the 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 each episode kind of having a, a theme or like you know uh an era kind of feel, whether it be the 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 thirties, the, the twenties that we've seen, or the fifties or the seventies. To me, like this, I kind of got like a Ghostbusters feel watching yeah, this same. episode. Yeah, definitely got like a Ghostbusters feel with like the team and you know the the, the outfits they were wearing and like the villains they were fighting. You fighting the robots and it's like <laughs> yeah. definitely very old school Ninja Turtles kind of feel to it. Um, and it worked. It was good. Um, I wasn't I wasn't super excited about this episode because I was like I don't know how I feel about going off the beaten path when there's less episodes in the season and we're trying to finish up and now we're kind of just doing a Mac and Deke episode it seems a little jarring but it it worked um, I liked the fact that they were going back and forth in time you know Deke kind of kind of narrating to to May what was happening so I didn't feel like yeah you know. I, I I didn't I didn't feel so much like wow this is so awesome to be yeah it, it was so, good to it was I thought it was good to establish that like they got back like you right. know because like I know we know the show has to continue we know like yeah like there's the shock of them leaving without them but I think you know like I think to kind of not let that be like part hangover. of the yeah. hangover of like what's gonna happen kind of allows you to kind of really live just in the moment of whatever they were going through yeah you know have a little more fun watching it yeah you know, exactly. Being so stressed, you know, it's mm-hmm. already kind of a sad story to begin with. What happened to Mac? You know, they had to kind yeah. of add some levity to that. But, um, you know, yeah, I thought it was cool though when you hear about Deke how he was looking over for young Mac. You know, that was cool. And, um, you know, Mac uh, kind of realizing, you know, that he, you know, he still has kind of, you know, a, a role to play within Shield. You know. Um, it, 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 I thought I thought it was an excellent storytelling. I just thought it was excellent storytelling. Uh, the Deke stuff with him and being a musician was funny. Uh, again, classic Deke. You know him deciding, yeah, I'm gonna rock star off of songs that I already know um, that already come out. Uh, so yeah, no, I mean, I think I think this is uh, this was a classic Agents of Shield episode, and it'll, it'll say it again, as we've said every week, uh, pretty much since since the first episode. Uh, just wait for Fitz to show up. Yep. You know, he might be a finale. He might be a penalty. Yeah, this is this is kind of crazy because yeah, we're getting really late now. We still haven't seen him. And there's no sign of him either. That's yeah, my guess. I think we'll see him in the penultimate episode. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I thought this was I thought this was a very good episode. Again, 
Um, so I thought this I thought this would be an interesting episode with a Mac and Deke as a partnership, and it was. Um, you know, Deke is kind of showing himself to be um, very much a, someone that's you know a member of the team now. Yeah, you know, because you think of Deke, you're like, oh, Deke, yeah, the, the team is back. Yeah, initially you think he's outsider, now he's part of. The team. Now he's he is literally part of the team. Um, so yeah, it's very very uh, cool, especially contrasting someone like Deke with someone that's as serious as Mac. It's just very it's just very funny. Um, even though it was a very sad situation that was going on in the episode with Mac. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a very good episode. I mean, the characters, even Deke's team was just absurd. <laughs> it was just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just funny. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a, the chain, a series of The Chang Gang. <laughs> yeah, the Chang Gang. I mean... Roxy and Olga. Yeah. So, it was... Uh, yeah. So, it was it was really, really fun to see. Um, and, again, all the blood and the kind of throwback to those yeah, those old horror movies, the 80s horror movies, like the gore fest. Um yeah. So yeah, it, it was it was just a really well done episode. And I also like the the inclusion of Colson with on the TV and then Sybil on the TV. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. So yeah, yeah. It was it was a very very good episode. An episode that could have been weaker, but I mean they just their their writing is just top notch. What do we think of um, Malik entering the fray again? Oh, he him being call- alive. I, I told you he no yeah, confirmed he death meant that he was not dead. So he survived, you know, the building falling on him, and now he's working with Sybil. I don't think this is going to be like a long-term partnership. Just like the other, the partnership with the other Malik wasn't a long-term partnership. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty good guess um, at this point with the Chronicoms. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd, I'd agree on that one. Um, you know, I, I think. Uh, I'm still kind of not sure who the ultimate villain is. I guess I'm still going to stick with Gideon. It's still going to, I think he's going to come back. Old Gideon's going to come back. Mm. But I could be wrong. They could be casting a new actor to play uh, the young Mallet or the other the other Mallet. What's his name? Nathaniel? Maybe we could be getting a young Nate Mallet mm. or old Nate Mallet, I should say. Um, so I don't know. But this, this. Or look, it could just it could just be the Chronicon, but I just I do feel like there's gonna be a human Hydra figure involved at the end of the series, and I think it'll be a Malik. Um, I don't think it'll be Whitehall, so it should be interesting. Who knows? Maybe it's Red Skull. <laughs> we only have like six episodes. I mean, is there any concern that they will be able to like wrap this story in a satisfying oh, way? One hundred percent. There was like three episodes. Maybe. Ooh, yes. A little tight, but six? It's a good number. I don't think they have any more episodes to be dancing around, though. Like, this was good dancing around today, this episode, but this was still dancing around. They can't do any of these episodes. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Unless it's an episode that's fully committed to fits. That's the only episode where you can do that with. Um, Everything else has to be moving towards something definitive. Um, I think that would be my only concern, is, you know, we're at the point now, okay, episode eight is this week. You know, we're we're at the second half of the season now. Things gotta start really take shape. You know, are gonna are they gonna be able to land the plane? Age of Shield rarely doesn't, so there's no reason to really be that concerned. But it's something I gotta think about. And you know, I'm curious how. You know, what's funny. Like I, I kind of thought about this today. Like I feel like in a perfect world, Agents of Shield would be the perfect way to 
introduce the X-Men and Fantastic Four because of all the timeline stuff they're doing. Like, they're altering the timeline in such a drastic way that if somehow, like, they use this to explain mutants, I don't think that that would be crazy. It'd only be crazy because I don't think not enough people watch this. I mean, from that standpoint, yes. Wow, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, completely kind of uncanonized the Marvel Universe. Necessary watching. All this wild stuff happening. Yeah, from that standpoint, 100% agree. From a large picture business standpoint, standpoint, yes. Story standpoint, this is exactly the kind of thing that should should be affecting stuff like creating mutants. And who knows, maybe maybe we get a similar story in the MCU. We get some plagiarism. We get Kang. Yeah, plagiarism on your own content. <laughs> so plagiar- plagiarizing yourself. Yeah, yeah. like he's in charge of everything now. So, yeah, because I because I'm curious, like you know, like with every all they've done. I mean, this episode, you know, it does take great lengths to change the canon. I mean, you know, Deke just got a bunch of nobodies and made them shield agents at the white at the lighthouse. Like that's you would think would be that could change a lot in terms of how history is gone. Whenever, whatever they end up in the current timeline, exists. I mean, and not just this, that, that episode. Obviously, there's yeah, been a lot of things that have happened up, yeah. from the beginning, and you know, it's it just makes me curious. I'm mean, not curious that it will happen, but I'm just saying it makes me wonder if like this would have been a perfect vessel to do something like that with, especially considering you have such a tall task of trying to introduce the Marvel universe. Now, again, there's no way Feige is letting you know. Jed Whedon and crew and the TV crew do have this kind of responsibility, but it just wouldn't. They haven't had it since season one. No, yeah, and it wouldn't. It wouldn't make sense for them to do that. But do we think that there's going to be a snap element? That is conversation. Like a snap element? What do you mean? Like, like, see, like the season finale. We see them post Endgame, or at least post Infinity War, or post Endgame. I think. I think that by the end of the season. You'll see them, in a in a, in a in a context that will be directly connected to the MCU. So I guess the answer to that is yes. That word, like I think that you know, they're not going to try to explain away everything they've done for seven years, seven eight years. But I think they'll make it clear, like once they get to the end of the season, like here's where these characters exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Take it for what it is, and you'll yeah. never see them again. But that's what's going to happen, I think. I still feel like Sky is the one, Daisy Johnson, Quake is the one with uh, the most. I, I still agree with that. I think that there's, she's the only one with, I think, any chance to ever appear in anything that's not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, I agree with that. She's, Chloe Bennett is young enough. She's a good, big enough star. She's big she enough fan America. base. Yeah. Recasting Daisy Johnson just seems stupid. Like it just, it just to me that would be a stupid decision. Like, yeah, it'd be unnecessary. Yeah, it, it would make zero sense. She's probably the only character I think that we could, add. and maybe I put Colson like one percent, but besides those two, they they would be the only two I think that have any chance you'd ever. Yeah, see. Yeah, I wouldn't count Colson personally. I you wouldn't wait. Why? What do you mean you wouldn't count him? But I just wouldn't count like uh, go like we like like him being Captain Marvel. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I see what you're saying. True, yeah, we have like, we have seen him recently. So yeah, we have. Fair. He's in the MCU. Yeah, confirmed. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Fair is fair on that one. Um, but like any like the other one that we thought would be somebody was Mockingbird, and then they just you know rode her off the show. Yeah, they did it that. I thought they all made Mockingbird. I, 
They could. They're probably just gonna recast in that character if they wanted to use her. Right. I wonder if there's been any. Has she has Adrian Paliki ever? Has she ever talked about what happened with that? I feel she has, but it's been a while, man. That was a long time ago. That was like what three years ago. I know. I'm just like it. Just that was that, like a that was that, a big deal. Too. Yeah, I mean they're supposed to get their own show. And well, there's, this, a Jan- there's a January article that says that uh, she wants Mockingbird to return in a Disney Plus series. Huh? No disrespect to Mockingbird. But I don't think we get any Disney Plus series. Uh-oh. Hey, never say never. Yeah, that's never going to happen. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say never. That's, 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 and that's never Disney Plus, you know, eight years from now, who knows what it's going to look like. Yeah, maybe that's all the television we get. That's all the content, all the shows. <laughs> yeah, when they, when there was a tweet about Hawkeye being Anybody delayed, she actually she actually retweeted the tweet saying, you know, uh, if you need somebody to take its place, I have an idea. You have my number, Marvel, and it was her as in a, in a GIF as Mockingbird. Look, we so we, we, still- we keep talking about like what people. Do and don't want to do. Also, a lot of people would like need to pay bills, so I'm sh- like, of course, she would want to do this because she would be allowed to then, you know, get some bread. It's a good job. It's a great job. So I get it from that standpoint. I don't think. Hopefully, they return like in this uh in the, in this season. If that would be an epic. Yeah, that that they should. They should. I think. I think they should sure, find a way. You know, like, there's any yeah. characters that we've seen from Age of Shield. Well, I don't even remember why why they left. I know they were doing they were supposed to do a spinoff, and they kind of wrote them yeah, off. Like, the in-story reason. I, but I why think, didn't they just bring them back? I, I think they just, like, left Shield to do, like, another, like, yeah, undercover. I forgot, I forgot what happened. Yeah, they were, like, they, going undercover. Yeah, they left for, like, some Yeah, they were legit. doing, like, a mission. But, like, my thing is, like, we knew that was just because they were supposed to do the spinoff series, you know, Marvel's Most Wanted. But okay, that that fell apart. Why didn't they just bring them back? Cause I feel like I've seen these kind of posts from Adrienne for a, a while now, and like nobody, everybody ignores her, or does does, does we do and just dismiss it? But we, I think we all would want to see Mockingbird back. Nobody would argue that. I don't know. I don't know why we haven't gotten that. I mean, the cast is loaded now, but like you don't even need her to be a regular. Yeah, she look, should, they kind of replaced them. Bobby, with... the, the the other character came back. Hunter came back once. Like, why can't you have Bobby come back? That's true. They 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 replaced those characters with Yo Yo and yeah. Deke. So I think that's from a from a series standpoint. That's why they haven't been they haven't been back. That they've already kind of been replaced, and the team's kind of full at this point, but I mean they brought in this other guy. You know, they brought they brought back uh I'm already forgetting his name. The guy from uh, Agent Carter. He wasn't in this episode, so now I'm like I totally forgot his name. But um Yeah they, the homie. Uh I'm gonna get this one. Um, starts with S. Starts with S. Thought it started with an S. I think you're right. EJ, you got this? You, you know? Sosa? Sosa. Sousa. 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 Not Sosa. Not Chief Key for Sammy. Yeah, exactly. Sousa. 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 Um, yeah, man. I think that's a good place to wrap the show, though. We're wrapping on Sosa. Shout out to 
uh, everybody listening. Hope you, you guys. Now you have to play uh, "Love Sosa" by uh, Chief Keith in the outro. <laughs> uh, uh, nah, the outro will remain um, the Smallville outro that we play. Shout out to XV. Um, that'll be it for this edition of the New Generation Hero Talk Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. You can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, check us on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, New Generation Media, on Twitter, New Generation Pod, and on Instagram, New Generation Podcast. Find uh, Shamari on social media. He's MCSham22 on Instagram and Snapchat. I am EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter. Action EJ on Instagram. Thank you guys again for listening in. For Kendall, Shamari, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.